everybody, welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you're brand new to this show, the show's all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. So on today's episode, we brought on none other than the Trash Master himself, Garbage Andy. Uh, brought him on and we talked about anything and everything, and yeah, I mean literally anything and everything. So a lot of heavy talking there, and you can probably hear my cat in the background because my cat is going through her time of the month. Come here, kitty. Come here. You all want to see the kitty? You all want to see the kitty? Come here. Come here. Come here, baby girl. Come here. Come on. Come on. I'm recording right now, and I'm going to put this on. Come on. Come here. Oh, just look at her. Look at how beautiful she is. Look at the camera. Or Everybody listening to the episode can't see you or anything, but just look at the beautiful orange baby that she is. Well, anyways, so brought on Garbage Andy, a.k.a. Andy, uh, who is a Magic the Gathering Twitch streamer. And we had a lot of fun having him on. And, of course, now my cat is just going to love on my monitor that houses my webcam. And, of course, she's going to run away now. And she's like, nope, too much love. Anyways, so... Uh, yeah, we brought him on, and yeah, so if you want to help support the show, you can help support the show at Magic with Zuby uh, or at patreon.com slash Magic with Zuby, and you can check out my sponsor, uh, cardsphere.com, the best place to buy, trade, and sell your Magic singles and sealed product, and you can find me on Twitter at Magic with Zuby, on Instagram at Magic underscore th underscore Zuby, on TikTok at MTGZuby. And I think that's... A, oh, yeah, YouTube is where this show is also found at. And on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify is also where you can find this podcast at. So without further ado, let's introduce Andy. So, hey everybody, it's Zuby here again, and I've got with me none other than uh, Garbage Andy, a.k.a. Andy, a.k.a. Garbage Andy? What, trash what, what, Andrew. Tra trash Andrew. The Either one. There's like 15 nicknames at this point. Goat Pickup by the Curb, Andrew? Yeah, whichever. Like, just any <laughs> sort of garbage, really. Dumpster Fire Drew is one of my favorites. Ooh, I like that one. I like that yeah, one. Yeah, it's a good one. Where, where'd you get that nickname? Uh, do you know Jamie Topples? Yes. Mm -hmm. She's one of my good friends. I, I forget where we originated this name, but it's my nickname in her Discord server. And I, I don't remember if I came up with it or if somebody said it to me and then it just stuck. So, yeah, it's one of the one of my favorite nicknames and it's uh, it originated there. So that means you must be a pretty good magic player, right? I mean, I'm all right. <laughs> uh, I, I call myself garbage. Uh it's that's an interesting story actually with the name but uh yeah i mean i'm pretty good at magic but i'm not like a not like a pro or anything like that never done a pro tour oh okay have you have you tried to do the competitive scene before no no i so uh do you want to get into that like my sure history? fuck yeah let's um, do it so i have been playing magic for like 20 plus years mm-hmm I started when I was a kid in like 1999, like 2000 ish. 
and I went from collecting Pokemon cards directly into Magic uh, because as a kid who was getting a little bit older, I was like, wait, this is cool and scary and weird. And I remember, you know, just as a kid, you're addicted to cracking packs. That's all it is, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like it back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and it's still somewhat like this, but you'd go into like a convenience store and it would be like like cards you could buy. It wasn't just like, you know, I don't know, any any mom and pop shop, not just like a CVS or anything like that would have like Pokemon or magic cards behind the counter. Oh, yeah. And oh, so yeah. I'd go in with my mom and then and my brother and there would be magic cards and i was like the the covers and the and the sets of magic cards always stuck out a lot like i remember the odyssey block very clearly uh it looked so mature back then too yeah it's so much more mature back then like it was so it was evocative and so i'd see those packs (laughs) and i'd be like i want to get that and for you know for some reason it was cool with my mom and so i'd get those cards and i remember just opening packs and being like damn this is scary and weird and i always was like fascinated with stuff like that like i remember i saw the movie it when i was way too young and it scared the shit out of me sorry can we swear by the way oh yeah yeah yeah. that's fine that's fine okay it scared it scared the hell out of me and uh but i was like obsessed with it because i thought it was cool and weird and it like left the left the mark and magic was similar oh dude that's what i I collected what was that i I was gonna say that the movie that did similar to me which probably got me uh, hooked on magic that young because I started at Urza Saga um, as a kid uh, was Nightmare on Elm Street classic stuck on me forever yeah and some for me at least sometimes those movies and games or whatever are the ones that end up being your favorites because they leave a mark and they're like you remember them or for they impact you and for whatever reason oh yeah so I, I grew up collecting them and loving the art and i i played like many people before when they were kids i'm sure wrong i played the game like completely wrong with my neighbors and my brother and whatever and it was it was mostly just i liked the art and i thought the cards were cool um and uh so and and then i took a really long break because i got to become like a teenager like an early teen and uh i was just like card games aren't cool anymore video games are the cool thing (laughs) and so i just like i took a really long break from like 2002 three 2002 three or four until uh 2015 when i was in college and my brother uh found out there was a a magic club at the school we both attended and uh i was like yeah let's check it out and it was around the tarkir era or like 2014 so like right when tarkir was the kind of ending and i ended up getting back into it pretty hard and then i went to my first pre-release with my brother at an at a local game store um for origins and that was the first set i ever did limited for um was for origins and so i got hooked from that i just thought it was really cool the game store owner and like a few of the patrons there were really cool and i got into drafting and doing pre-releases and stuff and so i would do that uh for the next few years up until around like 2016 kaladesh Mm -hmm. um and i would do it sparsely like i wouldn't i wasn't out there drafting and 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 doing every pre-release every Friday or whatever, I would just go when my brother would go with me and whatever. And uh, Kaladesh, I was drafting when I first moved to Brooklyn for the first time from Long Island. 
Um, so there was a cool LGS that let you drink in there and I would go after work. I would take the F train to the sweet local game store called uh, the Brooklyn strategist in Carroll gardens. And I would like have a beer or wine and play magic. And it was super fun. Um, and then I took a, another break. Uh, so like at two, uh, like after I moved out of that first apartment in 2016, 2017, I stopped playing magic until around this last year. Um, I still collected, I still bought boxes. I still played casually with my brother every now and again, but I didn't draft or go to pre-releases and stuff. So yeah, I got back into magic largely cause I was streaming again, but, uh, always been a fan of limited and the game in general. Nice. Nice man. Yeah. yeah. No limited is if I had to choose between commander and limited, I'd probably choose limited at this point. Cause that's pretty much all I play now is, as far as constructed formats is commander. I don't yeah, do any, like I used to be so hardcore into standard modern legacy. And then um, war, the spark came out and killed modern legacy in my area. Um, still a little bitter about that. <laughs> set. Yeah. But, um, no man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so you've been streaming. I want to say because you started last year, didn't you? Really? Yeah, I'm part of what I like to call the COVID crew. The that's COVID what crew. Oh, nice. There's a few. There's a few limited streamers in particular I've made friends with, with uh, like G Guards, Cannot Alive, Metal Mario, um, and even a few more uh that are just started around when covid happened and a lot of us started working from home or having different life circumstances and that's when i started but i didn't start streaming magic until october of 2020 i was variety and figuring out if i wanted to take it seriously up until that point um and then i made the full-on switch to just streaming magic around then which is great so, so you're a twitch partner now right no, not quite. No. I'm oh, getting oh. Close. oh, okay. I thought you were, or or maybe you said you were. So you're getting close to it. Close, yeah. So is the goal to become like a full time content creator then for you, or I would like to, yeah, I would like to do that for sure. Yeah. So what is it that attracts you to want to do that? Uh, I just think it's really fun, and I like being my own boss, and like, so I'm a creative person as my day job like i edit ads right now mm -hmm. i work full-time at an ad agency in new york city and um i've always loved making my own stuff i went to film school and i've worked on and off of different projects for years at this point but i um i like being in control of what i'm making and like the it's weird because i never thought of myself enjoying the idea of being an influencer or like content creator mm -hmm. but um as you adapt to being like, wait, I really like this. Is there a next step for it? You kind of learn if that's for you or not. And I, I do enjoy a lot of those things. So, um, I mean, it's a, it's tough, man. It's like, I'm my number one goal for over a year has been to partner on Twitch and I'm just getting close now. Like I have, I think 71 average viewers for the last month and you need 75. Oh, dang, just four away. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so it's getting close and, and you know, it is what it is. It's not like I'm, I'm going to die or whatever. Like, I'm yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, once that happens, I'll be, I'll be really happy. But, um, it's the, the money is a very interesting aspect to it all. 
Um, and I've talked to my friend Kanata about this a bunch who, uh, she is like a big inspiration in a lot of ways, but she's, um, also very close to partner, probably applied already and hopefully we'll get it soon. But, um, it's a philosophy just around like doing what you like to do and what makes you happy. Mm -hmm. And that's become a lot more important to me in the last year from COVID. I think a lot oh, yeah. of people can relate to that, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Cause and I so, think the whole like mindset of a lot of people has changed because of that either having to work from home or be forced to like either be forced off your job or be on furlough or whatever. It's give, given a lot of people time to think about that kind of stuff. Like what do they really enjoy? Right. Yeah. I'm definitely part of that crew. And so, um, I mean, I make a, a, a good income and in living editing and I like what I do. It's not like I, I'm not happy at my job and I'm just like, well, I found something and that's it. It's, it's not an easy decision, especially because in America, as you know, it's kind of hard to do these things when you have benefits and I have a good 401k and healthcare. And it's like, those are considerations. Every time I think to myself, I want to change and do this and the bar will like it's it's hard to accept but likely the bar will never be as high or even as close to as high as like what I have at my day job right now so there's this challenge I think of understanding what you're willing to give up to be happy doing what you do every day or most with most of your time but I think that alone says it right there right it's like most of your time because think about it we work the majority of our lives right at mm -hmm. least most of us so it's like, do you want to be super happy every time you wake up and you're like, I'm going to stream magic today and I might make 15 grand a year or 20 grand a year and struggle a little bit, but I'm happy. Or do you rather make like, you know, six figures working on corporate stuff and, you know, not uh, being as happy every day and your job pays the bills, but you go home and you don't have as much time or whatever it may be. So that's the... That's, I think, the biggest struggle. But the but the ultimately what I do want to do is mostly make content and then freelance and make money editing to live and pay for insurance and whatever. And you bring up a really good point because that's something that I've always thought about because um, so basically the content I enjoy doing the most is podcasting, right? It's I, I, I like streaming. Um, definitely, like most people, I streamed a hell of a lot more last year because it's even in my job, I was just really slow for a long time and, mm -hmm. and I enjoy what I do at my day job. Um, and so, it, but the thing that I really enjoy the most is podcasting, but you know, podcasting, I mean, I, I'd have to be like levels of like command zone, right. Or, or, or yeah, command zone. Yeah. Command zone yep. levels of popularity. And that's like in magic, that's not going to happen. It's like, it's, yeah. When you think about magic podcasts, it's there's not a whole lot of popularity. Streaming is definitely more viable than podcasting. And same with maybe if I focused on YouTube, but I don't enjoy that. You know, like I like streaming, but I wouldn't want to do it every day and all that. Cause is it, is it like a person thing? Like you like talking to people, you like that, the, the back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like the talking back and forth and with, with, streaming it's more of i feel like i have to put on a show for people 
that I have to feel like I have to be on and entertaining. Not that I'm not trying to be entertaining now. It's just more, this is more easier for me to do and all yeah. that. Um, I mean, it's a full body exercise when you stream. You know, yeah. you're on camera, you, you, you yawn and people note, you know. People yeah. Like, you know, and they yawn and then they're like, all right, I'm out of here. Yeah, it's right. A, a different environment for sure. And, uh, and I'm just, you know, like I, I enjoy streaming EDH the most because it's, you know, not just me, it's three other people, but it's also trying to get three other people at the same time too to be able to want to yeah. stream and do that. And that can get tiresome. Like I learned that last year cause I was streaming about three to four days a week, um, getting people signed up together and just trying to organize all that. That was exhausting itself. Just trying to do that on top of this podcast on top of my job. So it was like, just a lot of logistical work. Yeah. The commander stuff, especially is super tiring. Like I, I was on again, my friend Chanel stream, she did a 15 hour stream yesterday. And I played with two of my other friends and we, uh, it was like a three and a half hour game out of nowhere. And it was just like, man, if I had to do that every time I streamed, I mean, I, I play EDH on my stream too. I love it. And I got mm -hmm. into it friend Talia Vest, who's just like amazing. And oh, Talia is great. Yeah. I love Talia. She's one of my good friends. And like I, she got me into it and I've just been loving playing it on stream, but it's definitely like a bonus thing to do it's not like a weekly scheduled piece of content like i'll get together with other friends or streamers or whatever occasionally but it's not like a it's not like a weekly or multiple times a week thing usually and because it's it's so tiring it's like not even just the logistics of getting people together but just the <laughs> act of punching over your table and playing with your camera in an awkward position and, and like trying to mute yourself when your chat's talking but their chat's not talking it's just like there's a lot that goes into doing commander on stream that i think oh yeah takes more energy than just like playing arena for sure oh yeah oh yeah now and, and that's another thing i love arena but i don't like streaming it because i don't want people to see me just be all fucking salty and rage quit every time i come across some bullshit Tibalt's trickery deck you know, 15 times in a row and I, I don't play ranked either. So it's, I just go in the play queue the whole time and yeah. I just play stupid jank the whole time and well, whatever's fun, right? Yeah. It's I, I, I play stupid jank and I usually do my daily quests. That's about it. But I enjoy That's what I enjoy with arena, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you brought up a, up a good point about, not showing how angry or tilted you get. I think that's a unique thing with Magic, and I think a lot of other games can induce tilt and like make you upset or angry, but Magic has its own special unique property. For some reason, it's got this like beautifully horrible thing about it where you can transform into a monster on a dime. And I think that is one of the most challenging aspects of playing this game on stream. Oh uh, god, you know, yeah. Not uh, not to mention the fact that it's incredibly difficult to read all the cards and play strategically and play well and whatever, but just how the game can just on a dime get under your skin so horribly and just like try not to, to um, I guess, show that part of yourself so vibrantly in front of people, just like get explosive and angry. I've talked to my friends and, and fellow streamers about it a lot. It's so, so difficult to manage it. Um, and, uh, you know, there, 
I've gone into streams where a streamer is tilting and I leave and it, because I'm just for multiple reasons. One, I can relate. And two, it's just not comfortable or fun to watch. It's just like, yeah, you're tilted in that environment. You don't want to be around people like that or you don't want to think about yourself being that way. It's just like super negative and weird. Um, but we all get it. Like every single magic streamer I've ever watched has tilted on stream and taken oh, it out yeah. on chat taking it out on themselves, taking it out on their keyboard, like whatever. And and uh, so that's a big challenge, I think, streaming magic for sure. I think not, not just magic, but you make a good point. I think just like almost any video game, right? It's, mm -hmm. but, but magic especially bring up a good point because I've definitely noticed um, ever since Arena has started, right? Like I used to play so much paper magic used to be play a lot of competitive REL events and all that. And, you know, there'd be times I'd get frustrated, right? You know, just be like, especially against rules, lawyers and stuff like that. Like people just edging every single way to try to win over you. And all. I hated yeah. those kind of people, but I never found myself got as angry as I would when I would play arena though, like in paper, I'd, you know, you could be taking, you know, five minutes per turn and whatever. Okay, cool. You know, whatever. Um, I'm fine. I'm chill. You know, on, on arena, it's more like dear fucking God, hurry the yeah. fuck up. Stop roping me every single time. And, and it's yeah. gotta be because you're not seeing the person on the other side. Oh, you're, you're not yeah. seeing their body language and all that stuff. And, you know, you don't know what's happening on the other side. They could have a shitty computer or they could just be straight up assholes and yeah. want to rope you. <laughs> yeah that's uh i think the human element it's it's so weird it, like and that's a huge thing to do with the way that magic is being played and consumed especially on like a competitive level it's like there's such a disconnect of watching like pros sit at their computers with cameras and like whatever commentators play arena as opposed to like sitting there at a table sweating trying to keep their poker faces and like you know there's this really tense tangible uh almost chess boxing match feel to it where you're just kind of like wow this is interesting and unique to watch um and yeah i feel that and so often i find myself whenever an opponent's roping me or whatever i'm just like maybe maybe their baby woke up and they have to go tend to the baby or like maybe yeah. they just shit their pants and they have to like go take care of their pants or like they got arena know. on mobile now. Come on. <laughs> yeah, got arena on mobile now, So there's no excuse for that for sure. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh tilting on arena is, it is a struggle. I'll, I'll say that. Oh yeah. Yeah, but but just going back to like the whole um economics of trying to be full time streamer, especially in magic, um you, you mentioned um you know, you have a good job, you got good benefits and all that stuff. You know, when do you have a sort of <clears throat> like checkpoint or, or sort of like checklist in mind of when do you think you'd be able to go full time? Like do you have do you think to yourself like, all right, I gotta make X amount of money before I could even consider making, I got to have X amount saved. You know, what are some of the thoughts that are going through your mind for that? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that think that, you know, right. I, I yeah. see that all the time on Twitter and Instagram, like people want to become full time, but there's a lot of choices involved in that. 
Yeah, there really is. I mean, that's a great question. I've I've had a checklist for so long, and and the it's great. I love talking about this stuff because I don't get to very often. It's like the content creation stuff I find is fascinating, but it's not something that you just go in your Discord and you talk to your you know your subs about or or whoever's following on Twitter. You know, yeah. it's not like a and and I'm not that type of creator. Like there are creators that are just like. I talk about content creation and it's like, that's not my bag. Like I don't really care to do that, but I'm happy to do it on like a <clears throat> podcast with you or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think about this all the time. Um, I mean, the first checkpoint has always been hit partner and partnership doesn't guarantee anything. I've seen partners get partnered and go back down to having 13 viewers or whatever. And so there's no guarantee when you partner on Twitch that you are made and you can be making mo better money. So, um, so, so what is it that you really get when you become partners? It just, you get more cuts of the subs and all that and ads and all that. Depending on the tier of your, um, partnership, you can negotiate your sub rate. Um, so it's better than 50, 50, but okay. I don't ever, think it's, I, I don't think it's ever something so astronomical unless you're like a huge, huge, huge streamer, which is another whole tangent and conversation about, uh, the ceiling on magic the gathering as a category on twitch <laughs> we could get into that yeah i can think i think about that type of thing a lot and i don't think a lot of people do um or at least uh don't consider it as heavily as they should maybe but yeah so partnership is one because it does bring an air of legitimacy it opens up doors for partnerships and other things that i think can lead you to making other um income from multiple sources which is another important thing about streaming full-time like very 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 like there's a handful of streamers in the world that can just live off their subs and their donations and bits or whatever there's very few people that can do that so you're always trying to make money that's why you see many magic streamers that are channel fireball affiliates or are um with tcg player or another brand that will uh give you a kickback on whatever sales on your code or whatever. And that's just a common thing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it opens more doors when you get partnered. Um, and then another thing, and it, it, it's personal to me. Um, and it's my main consideration is how I can navigate becoming freelance or part-time or, um, maintaining some semblance of connection to my current job um, while also being full-time making my own content. Um, and I've talked about this with my boss and a lot of people, uh, my parents included, are like, you know, it's scary to say like, I've talked to my boss about leaving and how I'm growing in this field. But in the field I work in, and especially with my boss, she's a very accepting, understanding, creative person. And she knows that editors are not people that are going to stay in your building for your their whole lives this is a field especially in new york city the job the job market in general in new york city is i work somewhere two to five years i leave i get a promotion elsewhere there's very few jobs yeah. that enable you to climb the ladder traditionally like in any other job in new york especially in the creative field so um it's a balance of maintaining a relationship while being honest and seeing if there's some world where I can make money securely uh, by editing still, be it there or any other freelance uh, avenue. 
and then um, stream as supplemental income because the reality is is that at least at first it's not going to be your main income yeah um, and you have to spread yourself out in so many ways like YouTube and socials and whatever else and hiring an editor if you need to and not just doing it all yourself which is what I do but that's just because I know how to do it and I can do it efficiently without having to um, sacrifice so much of my time um, so yeah the the main two things are like getting to the point where I feel like my stream has uh, gotten to be legitimate enough where I can have more partnerships and then finding a way to maintain once I hit that, that's when the conversations I think will escalate to the point of like, you know, can I be freelance? Can I do this and move out of state? Uh, or do you need me to come back to the office? Whatever. So those are the main things. Dude, what scares me and <clears throat> biggest thing that scares me and, and this is probably just affects more us people more than anything. It's the healthcare insurance and yeah. insurance in general, you know, mm -hmm. um, not not just healthcare, but vision, dental, all that stuff, because, you know, you don't realize how much your job actually pays for that stuff um, year by year. And what even though your premiums can be a lot, you know, dep depending on your job and all that stuff. But when you go solo, you know, it can be pretty expensive. Like, do you, does that factor in at all for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but the 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 health insurance thing is scary and weird. And luckily, I mean, I'm turning 30 this year, but I'm still like young enough. I feel where I can get away with not having the best premium insurance of all time. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind having some sort of like lower end healthcare for a few years while I get on my feet with the content stuff. But of course, that's like the biggest thing, right? If because if it was if we had universal health care or whatever, um, I wouldn't worry so much. I wouldn't have to. There would be way less of a consideration of whether or not this is feasible if I didn't have to um, worry that oh I got sick and I can't do anything. I have How to pay thousands. Is that man? That's yeah. It's, it, it, it's, I mean, there's a lot of Americans that. That feel our way, I think, like it, a ton. It, oh, I know, I know. It it, it frustrates me because I'm in healthcare. I've worked healthcare for over ten years now, and um, it's it's fucking bullshit. Just you, you know, I have what's considered to be really good health insurance and all that stuff for me and my wife and kids and all that. But it, it's all all it takes is for one of them to get super sick with something, and it's like. <laughs> we're fucked you know yeah yeah i mean i had uh, a lot of things or not a lot but like sizable things happen in my youth that cost my parents a lot of money and if they didn't have enough money like i i, I don't know what they would have done i mean i had to have a heart procedure when i was in high school i had extensive dental work yeah i had a lot of things uh damn that's happening with my teenager right now it's like Oh yeah. P past couple of years, like we had to get her knee surgery because she took a yeah. nasty fall, and yeah. e even with insurance, I still had to pay a shit ton of money out of pocket. We're talking like four or five grand and all that stuff. Yeah. Of dollars, it's like thousands. it's like what the why the fuck do I even have insurance? You know? 
Yeah, well, the scary thing is it would be 50 grand if you didn't. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, See, that's what's even more fucked up. It's, it's just, it's a racket, man. It, it it's is. Like, I mean, it's, it's super shitty. It's just kind of the way that capitalism is built, you know? And I'm not going to just sit here and be like, capitalism, yada, yada. I mean, I could get into that because I feel that way. But I, I just, it's it's a shame everything is everything is an industry every single thing is out to make money and every time we complain about watsi and their greed like just remember like the health insurance industry and pharmaceuticals are like tenfold worse oh and i know that's and that's for your health and safety not for your card game <laughs> so like <laughs> right you know, you know if 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 wizards was charging prices and and being as greedy as pharmaceutical companies were i think we would likely not play as much magic as we do already uh um so it's it's a shitty situation man and it's the worst consideration to do what you love to do right it's like i don't know what the solution is it's a lot of different things but um it's a major factor that's keeping me from just today committing to doing something that i love to do i'll say that <laughs> it sucks it's like um you know it kind of reminds me back in um what was it i want to say like 2009 2010 um i think i think what year did starcraft 2 come out was it 2010 i think it was well yeah around then <clears throat> it, when starcraft 2 came out and when Esports was starting to become more of a mainstream thing, like with MLG coming mm -hmm. in, coming into more popularity, and then Justin TV be before Twitch, and people started streaming video games and all that um, more and more. And how I always remember a lot of the conversation was, you know, gearing back towards uh, other countries besides America, like how these other countries could support you know, these younger people becoming, you know, full-time streamers or full-time esports, you know, players also because they're, they have the infrastructure to do so because, you know, not only for like healthcare, they have, you know, housing that they can get around together, like either government paid, you know, South Korea is a good example, right? You know, e even before mm -hmm. Starcraft two, they had their own, you know, Starcraft professional gaming league, um, for Starcraft brood war and you could even get like a professional gaming license that was, you know, from the government and all that stuff and live live in some sort of government housing to be part of whatever StarCraft League, right? You know, that South Korea was years and decades ahead of anybody for that stuff and I still remember that being a conversation like how is how is America ever going to get to that level of that kind of infrastructure for esports and we're starting to see it slowly now especially for a lot more of the popular games like league of legends counter-strike or whatever the Fortnite, whatever the hell else is really popular um yeah and you start to see full-time twitch streamers starting to become a thing now too but dude it's still we're miles behind other countries though for that yeah because we just don't get a lot of support from our government and and, and and don't get me wrong, like, I'm trying to say, like, oh, we need handouts and all that stuff, right? It's just more of there's really not a whole lot of fallback plan for people trying to pursue careers like that. Yeah. I mean, it's a matter of allocation of funds, though. It's not even, like, handout. I mean, we think about how much money we put into our military. If you put, like, a 99th of that into 
arts and uh, and supporting uh, that type of career, it would be more viable. And that's just the reality of it, right? Like if you put like one billion out of a hundred billion dollars towards that, then uh, I mean, other countries like Denmark and uh, Norway do stuff like that. I don't know if Denmark, but I remember my I went to school with a bunch of Norwegian friends of mine, and they were always incentivized to go to other countries and I didn't go to a very popular college I went to a university on Long Island that my mom worked at so I was able to get free tuition and that was oh, like nice. a really lucky really lucky thing for me and my family to get um, but a lot of the student base there in film school were Norwegian and Swedish and they were incentivized to come there um, to get out of their country and they had funding for housing like my ex-girlfriend was from Norway and she had a stipend every single month to pay for the food at the school or like Jesus. the housing. And that's from the government. That wasn't from anybody else It was or like their high school. It was from the government. They'd get a stipend every single month, $900 or whatever it was to pay for living expenses. We don't get any of that here. I mean, yeah, there's always this idea that, you know, make yourself in America, that American dream or whatever. But I think a mm -hmm. lot of that is super faded and superficial in 2021 i think the rest of the world realized you know wait a minute we can like kind of help each other and and it's not to the expense of however x amount of population so why don't we do it and america is still out here like go get them like you can you can be rich if you want to like be elon <laughs> musk it's easy and it's like nah like we can't we can't do that and you know, a lot more people would be happier and more successful if they had that relief. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of those people that I know, talented filmmakers now, and they make great work and they work in America. And there's, I, I just think about all the kids that didn't go to film school mm -hmm. because their parents or their families were like, you won't make money that way. You've got to be a lawyer, <laughs> you know, like it's, it, that's just how you're going to survive in America and you'll make good money or whatever. I'm one of the lucky few that has a job at a film school, but like, you know, there's lots of kids that just don't get to do those things straight up because of money. That's the reality in America. It's not be whatever you want to be and make money. It's more like be these select things and survive or else you're not going to have health insurance and you'll like, get pneumonia and die or some shit <laughs> and dude it, it, it's scary out there because my my oldest she's going to be 18 coming um this july and you know she, she'll be graduating next year from high school but you know i think back to when i was her age because i moved out on my own when i was 20 with mm -hmm. my with my wife she was my then girlfriend um and we struggled. We were on the struggle bus for like a long time. <laughs> it was tough, but I mean, we made it. We we barely made it. Like, I think I was making ten bucks an hour. She was making minimum wage and all that stuff. But you know, put it combined, it's like we were struggling and had just enough money to be able to pay rent and maybe have a little bit of food and all that. And um, yeah, but I I think to my eighteen year old now and see how much 
you know, renting an apartment is or something like that. Even here in Florida, right? We're I, I'm not near Tampa. Like I'm not near any big major, uh, any of the big major cities or anything. I'm just north of Tampa, and dude, rent here for like a one bedroom apartment's like twelve, thirteen hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Like, how the hell is a kid gonna afford that on minimum wage or even ten bucks an hour? You know, no, they can't. There, they there's can't. no fucking way. And it's so different now. It's like yeah. so much worse. And, and and it's weird because even when I was like 20 moving out, like things were still fucking expensive, right? Like we, yeah. we, my wife and I made it work. We struggled like badly. <laughs> but if if they had been today's prices, we still would have been probably living with her parents or something like that. Yeah. You know? Well, are. I have a lot of friends and even myself, I mean, with my family right now, and I, I could be living on my own. It, it's also part of the circumstance. Um, I, uh, I lived in an apartment, my favorite place I ever lived in Brooklyn for four years, uh, last year. And I had a one bedroom in a nice spot next to prospect park and I got COVID like early, early, early. So like around like fe- late February, early March, I got COVID mm-hmm. and it was right when everything was panicked. And New York was not adapting fast enough whatsoever. And I got it going to the supermarket or something, probably. I remember the people there not wearing masks as, as they would like line the shelves right as the pandemic was starting. And I got sick and then I came home because I lived in a one bedroom apartment and I was like, I don't want to face this alone. You know, like if I get like super sick, like I want to be with my family that yeah. can, like take me to the hospital or some shit. So I went home. And I only recently in the last few months moved out officially, which was super hard because I was, I mean, I have, I've been working from home from the office, uh, my office is in like Soho in Manhattan and I was living in Brooklyn, taking the train in every day. But like, I didn't want to let go of my apartment for like a year. And I still, it, it was still such a hard decision because it was like, I didn't know if I was going to if I wanted to ever come back or if I even want to go back to the city now, like so much, my life has drastically changed in the last year, like way more. Like if, if COVID never happened, I'd be at the same apartment or probably a, a, a even a bigger or nicer one at this point, I would have moved out and like changed my location or something. And instead I'm like living with my family and it's not cause I can't afford to live anywhere else, but it's largely because of like, the change in my life if i felt passionately about being in new york city and uh that i would want to live there long term and that my job is like my favorite thing and whatever then i wouldn't have moved and i would have been there Mm -hmm. much longer but the back and forth between there and here after i got better from having covid and this year i realized how much i don't want to live there forever and pay and rent my the thing is is just renting my life away that's the problem i have and it's so hard to save money. I was paying like eighteen hundred bucks, and then plus Fuck. utilities or whatever a month for a one bedroom, and that like that's like amazing. That's like amazing in New York. Really, holy shit! For the amount of space that I had, I had a living room. I had like a pretty nicely sized kitchen. It was an old building, um, but I had a lot of space for a one bedroom apartment for just me living there. So like, yeah, I and wow. So I'm just, I'm saving a lot of money. The, pl- the plan right now, and this is, goes back to your other question with like steps and, and whatever and considerations. But right now I've just been saving as much money as I can so that I can 
put a down payment on a house or like move out of state because the reality is is i am not going to be able to live in new york unless i'm upstate in the middle of nowhere uh and stream i just can't i can't unless i'm living with a partner or roommates whatever the situation is and i i don't want to do that i don't want to do that right now so i've been looking at different places around the country and weighing options of just like straight up moving like out of state to stream in a more you know affordable location and have a home someday where, where have you been looking at um i've been looking in like pennsylvania and texas i mean i have friends in both of those places nice so um you don't want to come down to florida I mean, <laughs> I, I, don't, I like it's mostly there's a lot of considerations with that. I've never lived out of New York before. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've never lived out of Florida and all that. I mean, I've traveled all over the U.S. and all that, but yeah, I mean, I've been to every state pretty much. I've been to like 43 states or something like that. I did a, a tour when, in 2013 with my friends and we nice. did a lap. We, I like to say we did a lap around the country. There's, there's some of the middle I didn't see, but the rest of it pretty much hung out in every state well, all the middle looks the same anyway for the most part yeah it does. <laughs> i mean a lot of it in general looks the same it really but... does right like the the that that's the thing i remember first leaving florida for the first time um when i was a kid and the biggest change to me was the hills and mountains yeah. were like the biggest changes to me because florida is so flat and mm-hmm. that 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 would like like just going up a hill or something was like, oh my god, this is so exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely jarring when you're not used to that. Yeah, or especially mountains too. Like that was, oh man. E- e- even now when I have to travel, um, I haven't traveled since before COVID, but even then, still seeing mountains, I still get excited about it. Cause... Oh, I mean, me too. There, there's, there's obviously some in New York. Um, yeah. If you travel, um, and there's some on the East Coast, but like I went to. I went to the Olympic National Park in Washington for the first time in like 2016. Nice. And the mountains there were like, uh, it made me feel like I was like dizzy. I'd be on a hill and I'd look at a mountain and like you'd be on one mountain looking at another one and you'd be like, this perspective is not something that I could have fathomed without seeing it myself oh dude i i should try to dig up some pictures of some of the mountains we climbed in south korea because it's just same exact thing you'd go up one mountain and see like even taller ones you're like oh shit just it was the view was amazing and all that yeah being able to see the city below and countryside behind you and all that and it's like yeah. the, uh you know nissa cosplay Mm-hmm. and all that um i i know there's been times where she's posted photos of like what's right outside her house and it's like this gorgeous fucking mountain view like right outside her bedroom window and all that i'm like can you imagine waking up to that every day like how could yeah. how could you ever have a bad day you know <laughs> yeah i guess the grass is always greener right it's always oh what yeah you don't yeah. Have. it's always what you don't have that's interesting i think yeah yeah and it's like, well, hey, you come to Florida, you wake up and, you know, smell the swamp and see Florida man going down the street. <laughs> yeah. Florida is a very interesting, unique place in America. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've lived here all my life. It's been um, 
now now that i'm a homeowner i've been a homeowner for about five six years now and um i'm getting a little tired of it because mainly of hurricanes and all that yeah and um but it's like I, I think about where else would i go because you know i think about natural disasters and stuff like that and my wife doesn't want to move anywhere where it snows so i tell her like well you're kind of limited on where you want to go at that point like she doesn't want to go where it snows and she doesn't like the desert so i'm like well fuck we're, we're definitely not going to move to california that's too fucking expensive over there yeah have you thought about texas and texas is possible but they still get hit by hurricanes too i mean yeah. it, i'm sure if you go mo- maybe more west it's not as bad but like over on the east coast they get hit by hurricanes and stuff Hmm. yeah closer to the water yeah but it's, do, uh yeah that's weird but dude they just had that um texas freeze this past this past winter too um yeah that was insane and over in um in austin and, and well actually a lot of texas got affected by it and dude, when i read more about how their power grid works i'm like fuck that noise like how their power grid isn't regulated by the government and all that and people who did have power they had to pay like ten thousand dollars because they all share like their power grid or whatever however it works but i'm like weird yeah just like fuck that noise i don't know yeah talia was out of power for a while oh that's right Um, she's in texas i forgot about that yeah she's in like the houston area Mm -hmm. we got to do a charity stream together for houston food bank which was amazing oh that's awesome yeah, like right after it happened and she got power back and stuff, we got together and we played EDH and we raised like, well, we raised like $3,500, which was incredible. That's awesome. Maybe a little bit more. And then uh, Alan from Mental Misplay, I don't know if you know Mental Misplay. I've heard he, of them, yeah. He hit me up and was like, how much did you raise? And I was like, three and a half K. I'm so excited. It was like a one day stream and we raised so much money. And... uh and he was like, all right, I got you and just matched the entirety. Oh, shit. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think he has uh, he has like uh, access to accounts that give him funds for charities and stuff. I'm not really 100% sure, but we ended up raising like $7,500 or 7000 Dude, 7, that's 000. awesome. Yeah. It was a really, really good stream. Gavin Verhey was on with me. And then uh, my friend, uh, Ground is Lava, who's a Californian and musician who knew gavin who knew gavin was like good at magic because i've played edh with him we had him on stream i want to say sometime last year me pixie and i forgot who the other person was um yeah me and pixie had him on stream and he whooped our asses like he used to be a pro or or yeah 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 no i had him on the podcast too last year and just going over like his little like magic career and yeah Oh, that's right. It was Efren of Cardsphere. Um, okay. Uh, was on the cast with us. And um, yeah, he, he's a little decent at magic, I'd have to say. He's okay. Decent. I've never I've never lost to Gavin. I, the, the furthest I got was... Uh, <laughs> we, I played another charity thing with him, and he played Carter Doom Scourge before the card was released, like before Kaldheim came out. I oh, that shit. Was- it was the coolest thing ever yeah he had like a goad deck where everybody had to attack each other and and then <laughs> and it was just me and him left and he ended up like drawing really well and it was really fun to play with him he's a great dude it's oh, yeah. kind of insane how like humble and amazing the, the magic community is you know everyone's oh, yeah. willing to like uh hang out and 
help each other grow and um, make content together. I love that about it. Yeah, no, that's yeah. um, yeah. shit. That's what's kept me going with this podcast for five years now. I mean, I've met some of my best friends on here, like Total MTG. Um, he and I started around the same time together. He's like my UK brother from another mother. Um, <laughs> and um, I don't know if you ever heard of him. Um, I think so. I, I think probably he, there's so many people. Oh, I know. I know. And, and what's crazy to me is I've said this so many times is like when magic arena started becoming a thing, the amount of content creators blew up insanely because yeah. so I've been, so I started the podcast back in 2016, like before magic arena. And I knew, I, I knew pretty much almost all the content creators at that point, you know, or, or at least the more well-known ones. And there weren't a lot of streamers back then too, because barely anyone streamed magic online. There was like maybe mm -hmm. five to 10 people total at any one given time. And in, it was more in YouTube. And then when arena came, dude, I, I can't even keep up with like all the content creators now, it, especially like last year when it all blew up, it's just couldn't keep up. It's too much. <laughs> it's too many. Yeah. I wonder how many people are going to stick with it and like continue content going into the next few years after having COVID happen. Well, I, I see I see this a lot like the, what I've seen the trend of like every year I see people starting the content creation game and, you know, either, you know, keep going or, or stop. Um, and it, it's it's a lot of the ones that I try to keep an eye on. Right. Um, you know, there, there's times where like when I'm looking for people to come on the show, it's most times I don't like to get people that are brand brand new. And all that stuff because mm -hmm. I, I want to get someone who maybe has been around for a little bit, you know. Um, it, it's not that I don't mind getting on newer content creators or even smaller time ones. It's just more of someone who's completely brand new and like you know a month into this, it's sort of like you know there's not much to really discuss or talk about or you know because I like talking about the content creation game and you know going into that. Like, but yeah. I have no problem like giving people tips and tricks, especially when it comes to podcasting too. Cause yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride. Like I never thought I'd get past three months of doing this stuff. How, how many episodes have you done? Uh, I think this episode would be episode 251. It's a lot, man. Yeah. Cause I, I, I released them weekly. And then of course, earlier this year, I was forced to stop. Cause I had a house flood at the beginning of the year and, um, this fucking year has been insane. We're just now getting back to normal with our house. It's been, mm, it's been insanity. Rough. Yeah. It hasn't been fun, but thank God for homeowners insurance. Fuck man. <laughs> yeah. Insurance for everything basically in your life. You just need it always. Right. God. Yeah, I, I had to sell my magic collection when it happened, too. Like, I had to... Oh, wow, really? Mm -hmm. All of it? Uh, I, I mean, I kept my EDH decks. Um, my wife was so mad at me that I sold off everything else, though. She, I told her, like, we need the money, though. Like, you don't understand the amount of damage that was done to the house. Like, insurance covered it, but we still had a big deductible to cover. Yeah. yeah. So, it's like... Well, what, would you, what did you... Uh... If you don't mind, like what, what kind of old cards or like stuff did you have? Did you have like old, old Um, stuff? so I did, I don't remember 
a lot of it because I sold off like half my collection a few years ago to help pay for my daughter's knee surgery. And then mm-hmm. we had to have some trees cut in the yard um, as well, too. So that was like about five, six thousand dollars. No, it was like a lot. six or yeah, maybe six, seven thousand, something like that. I can't remember exactly. Um, but have the cards that sort of come up to mind, at least the ones that are really old, like Helm of Obedience. Um, I had a Lion's Eye Diamond there, an Ancient Tomb, the OG. Mm-hmm. Those are like the three that are like the major ones. Um, I'm sure there's more if I if I think about it, but those are like the three oldest I can think of. That's uh that's kind of the the beauty of collecting magic cards, isn't it? Is that they're an investment in a way. Yeah. You, you paid off parts of your house damage and your daughter's yeah. knee surgery from magic right? cards. That's kind of wild, right? Right. And, and what's crazy is um so I still have some pretty expensive cards, right? I still have a play set of Gaia's Cradles that I bought for like mm. 150 bucks each a couple of years ago. And now they're worth like almost a grand a piece. And I had some people yep. telling me like, oh, why didn't you just sell those and help cover for your house? I'm like, but you see, I actually play those like the other cards that I got rid of. I never touch them. I never play them or anything. Um, yeah. And, and I know if I ever sell those Gaia's Cradles that I actually use, I'm never going to get them again. Yeah. You know? Um, they're just gonna keep going up oh dude it's insane just like um like yeah it it, it would be the last straw and i think my wife would probably really punch me in the face if i ever sold my edh decks Mm -hmm. because i told her like well what if something bad else happened it's like what are we gonna do to like try to make some money quick (laughs) yeah does she play magic she used to she used to play um, the only deck I could ever get her to play with EDH was a Slivers deck. Mm, that's and fun. <laughs> for her. <laughs> yeah. It was great. F- fucking terrible. Because she'd win every single time. Like, all she would have to do is just get Sliver Overlord out and then just, you know, start tutoring for everything. Like, yep. Fucking God. I-, I made the deck a little too good. I made it like Sliver Control. Too. Oh. So yeah, that's brutal to play against. I'm sure. Yeah. So she <laughs> she used to play. She doesn't play anymore, and uh, she used to play D and D as well too. She doesn't anymore. She's a um the only the only games that she plays a lot of now. She is addicted to Apex Legends. Oh yeah. Oh, and she's fucking ridiculously good at it too. Like holy shit. Wow. Like, I, yeah, I, got, I actually reviewed that game. So I used to do a podcast too for like three years. We did a hundred episodes. Nice. And then we hiatus, like starting around right when the pandemic hit, actually. Um, we all moved to different places and it became harder and we did it remote or whatever. But yeah. um, it was a, it was a gaming podcast and a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, it was like the test run for content creation for me and my brother. Other co-host Nick, he's an engineer and he works in a hospital. But my brother and I were both—we both went to the same film school, and he's creative. But he's a librarian now. But he was—he um, would do a lot of the social media, and I would make all the video posts and stuff, and then an imagery for it. And he ended up getting really into like entomology and insect stuff. And he's been—he has like an over ten thousand follower Instagram account in the last year. Oh shit. Just about insects? Start, 
Yeah, just about stuff like because I kept a lot of them as pets too, and then he got into it. We've always both been into like nature and stuff like that. That's cool. But he he started keeping a bunch of stuff too, and then taking good pictures and growing his account, and then now he's you know he's got the swipe up feature on Instagram. <laughs> oh but, shit. Uh, yeah. So in a lot of ways, the podcast was like a good um, learning experience for making content. So I didn't go into streaming and making my own stuff completely blind and in any regard, you know, the editing world I already do and the podcasting stuff. I got used to talking into a mic and streaming occasionally for the podcast too. We used to do occasional streams where we do playthroughs or, um, you know, spooky movies or spooky game nights where we do like PT together and drink beers and like get the shit scared out of us. Oh, dude, PT scared the fuck out of me when I first played it. Yeah, it was like unplayable for me. I remember throwing my controller away and just being like, no, I can't. I just can't do it. Like, straight up. I just said no. Like, the first time that woman killed me, I turned off the PlayStation and said, I'm done. I can't. I'm just done. Oh, my God. My, my oldest daughter at the time, like, I, I remember downloading the demo. And we played it at night, like, pitch dark and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, she, I, I can't remember how old she was, like, 12, 13 at the time or... um. She she cried herself to sleep that night. It was so scary for her. Like, dude, what oh. fucked me up with that game, like, and it's just still going in the bathroom and seeing, like, the fetus of the baby. Just like, oh, my God, it fucked me up. Like, yeah, n- not so much the dead lady. It was it was that that baby in the sink just yeah. fucked me up. It was, like, super David Lynch-esque. It reminded yeah. me a lot of eraser head and then like weird horror movies too it's such a brilliant concept it's the scariest i would say it's the scariest game ever made is pt i think and it's so sad it got canceled oh my god fucking at least we have that game though you know i have a i have a playstation 4 that still has it I oh, oh yeah it. so do i yeah I, I got my pro over here i downloaded it right before they said it was going off the store never gonna take it off hard drive and put it on my pro oh shit nice it's always on that drive and I think I have like an SSD hybrid, so it's going to live longer. Nice. You know that hard that our PlayStations are worth like exponentially more than a regular PlayStation just because we have the game still, right? Oh, shit. Seriously? Yeah. Like if you go onto eBay and you search like like PlayStation 4 with PT. I'm going to look it up so right now. I, I searched year a couple years ago, and it was like oh, well. it was more than a brand new PlayStation back then when I looked to find a PlayStation with PT still on it on eBay. Hello. That's how much people love that game. Well, so just PS4, I don't know if this is a pro or not. PS4 with PT, 450 bucks. That's more than the console cost when it came out. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> let me, yeah, right? Let me look up PS4 Pro with PT. PS4 Pro, uh, no, I don't care about just. Oh, uh, where is it? Okay, I'm not finding anything. Mm, maybe it? it's that we gotta we gotta make sure everybody knows we still have them, right? And set the price ourselves a thousand at least. Uh, I'd say start off at eight hundred. Yeah, I mean I'm just kidding, but. I wonder. I mean, has it been ported? Has it been downloaded and and made into a ROM or anything yet? Maybe it, it probably has to be by now. I mean, I, I don't even know 
can you even I'm sure you can hack the PS4 by now um, yeah know. there's some way yeah, I, I, I don't really do the whole hacking consoles anymore like I used to like no. I, I hacked my Wii and Wii U and all that but yeah those are fun to do yeah the um the old PT shit. days Dude, and, and I, I still want to play Resident Evil 7, and now that Resident Evil 8 is out with the big big vampire lady, I'm like, yeah, I need to play that. I didn't even realize that some of the characters were the same, or it's like a direct sequel. Oh, is it? I think so, yeah. I mean, oh. there's characters like Ethan and Mia. They're characters from the some Resident Evil 7. I've heard their names be mentioned. So I've, I'm like, played, I've only ever played Resident Evil 1 on the PS1, and that game scared the shit out of me as a kid. Me uh, too. When, like, the dog's jumping out of the window, and then I never played it past that. And then I played Resident Evil 2 on the PS4, the remake, and it was okay. Like, it was just... It didn't do much for me. Like, it wasn't very scary. It felt kind of more like... I think the first person aspect of like seven and eight would do more for me, like like PT does, like in terms of yeah. being more atmospheric. Seven's amazing. So like I beat the whole game actually. It was the first playthrough we ever did on the podcast, and it, um, I beat the whole game, and then I got a PSVR like a year or two later, and then I tried playing it again in VR, and oh my god, it was like it was something I did for friends that have never played VR or like had liked that game and it's like the beginning of resident evil 7 there's a scene where you like you go in water you basically okay. you go you there's a part where you go as you're entering the house in this weird like under the floorboards area and a body floats up like really suddenly and it scares the shit out of you and it was scary in the regular game and then just doing it in real life there's something completely different <laughs> I mean, in VR. Oh, I bet. There's something completely different about feeling up to your shoulders in water in VR. Like, it's so much different. Even if the graphics aren't crystal clear, even if everything is, like, a little bit janky, just feeling like you're, you're neck deep in water and then a body rises up directly in front of your face is, like, it's horrifying. Fuck. Did you play the it's whole game in VR? I didn't play the whole game. I got pretty far in it. I think I got like, like halfway. But the, but that game's amazing because it's like I've played lots of Resident Evil games. Resident Evil Four is one of my favorite games of all time. That's what I've heard. It's um, it's one of the best is, ones. It's so quirky and goofy and fun. Um, it and, and Resident Evil the universe has its own charm, especially as they got they kept going because the original Resident Evil One and Two I played those as a kid, but I played the GameCube ports. Because I um, <clears throat> I didn't have a PlayStation. I had an N sixty four, but I uh, yeah I played the I played the GameCube port and it was so super scary. I remember renting it from Blockbuster and um, hiding in my room with the lights out with my brother and like trying to play that game <laughs> and uh, it was so scary. But then yeah, Resident Evil Seven is amazing because it's got the quirkiness and the and the Resident Evil to it, like where you pick up an item and then you see it in front of you, and it's like it's got that like Silent Hill Resident Evil like classicness to it, but in first person and modern. And the story is fun, and the boss fights are really good, and like it's uh, it Resident Evil Seven is great. There are some low moments in it, but it's like a really it's a really good Resident Evil game. I think I loved it. I'm gonna get so, yeah. to it eventually. It's um. I'm trying to... I got hooked back on Pokemon. Uh, 
on a Nintendo Switch Pokemon Sword. And um, oh, yeah. I have not played a Pokemon game since like the Game Boy Advance Pokemon Ruby or something. Holy shit, the whole like genre is completely different now and um been enjoying yeah. that and I'm playing Last of Us 2 as well too for the first time. I never finished that one. I'm I'm I think I'm still in the beginning or something. I'm only like 5-6 hours into it and it's fucking amazing. Holy shit. I yeah. love it. It's an incredible game. It's weird. It's one of those games that like I I didn't finish cuz it was such a weird time when it came out. It was like it wasn't like it was relatable to the pandemic. But I was at like a very low mental state when that game came out. I was yeah. still nervous, feeling weird from COVID, like having it and then whatever. That's and right, I was it came out like, last year. That's right. Yeah, I, it oh. came out like right as COVID was like in its for me, I, I had just started to recover from it. And so like playing a game that heavy was just like I couldn't. I got halfway through. There's like a there's a, a defining point that I, I got halfway through the game and then I just like I wasn't enjoying it. I don't know. I wasn't enjoying um playing it, it by it, myself. It, it is a pretty heavy game, that's for sure. Like I have to sort of mentally prep myself for it. I mean not not so much for the gameplay, but just more of the the themes that it deals with. Because it's mm-hmm. just fucking depressing, man. It's like yeah after living through that pandemic it's just like yeah we'd never survive a zombie apocalypse or anything hell oh, hell no if the pandemic <laughs> taught me anything is like how unprepared we are for like literally anything for anything yeah, yeah c- could you imagine had covid been more deadlier than it was the uh-huh. the, the amount of panic like thank god i mean you know I'm so sorry for all the people that passed and all that stuff like worldwide for it. And it was a lot of people. I'm not trying to downplay the severity of COVID, but had it been deadlier than it was, it would have been completely world changing, like anything we've ever seen before. And that, that to me is like scary as hell to think about because that can happen and it might, and it might happen, you know? Yeah, I mean, it will happen eventually. It's just a matter of how prepared we are. Yeah. Like, you think about Ebola or, like, any other big thing that could have been horrible, and just imagine if it was more widespread. Yeah, um, dude. Yeah, COVID wasn't even that deadly, but just think of how bad... It's just the infectious... How infectious it was. Oh, yeah. It's crazy, man. It's insane. It's changed our lives forever. Like, period. Yeah. It's changed the world forever. Um, Just the amount of people that died in America, like millions and millions of people you think about the impact that 9-11 had that was 3,000 plus people in New York and yeah it's it's horrific and the imagery is horrible and it's a different event it's it's not comparable but you yeah. just think about the the toll of life it's like kind of fucking insane to think that that was the last year how many millions of people died from this thing and we all know somebody that did like somebody's family member somebody's grandpa so whoever mm-hmm there's not going to be a person in the world that doesn't have a story or person that they know that didn't, you know, wasn't affected by it. So. Oh dude. Yeah. It, it, when you put it like that, you're right. It's insane. Cause I, I, I just think about like both of us, right? Like what we have seen in our lifetime of just like crazy ass events, right? You know, mm-hmm. like Columbine, like one of the first school shootings that I can really think of, that just like made super national news. Um, 
you know, um, and then nine eleven right after that. What? I said, and then that became normal, which is I know, right? Up. Oh my god, yeah. Um, and then you know nine eleven right after that. Then getting into two wars, and you know I saw a bunch of my friends go to the military, and some of them, some of them didn't return. Some of them that came back and they were not the same anymore because of the horrific things they saw and had to do just to stay mm-hmm. alive. I mean, th- th- they, they did things that you and I could never imagine or dream of, you know? Yeah. And it, that, that's sad. And then, you know, then we had the whole freaking you know, Trump era of shit and now COVID. And, you know, then just earlier this year in January, we had like our democracy attacked. And yeah, it's, it's been fucking insane, man. Our lives have I, we've had uh, probably for me, at least two way too many at this point, life changing events. I'm good on those. Yeah, uh, I, I like to just chill now, you know, like uh, uh, give us a decade of chilling at least, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I'm actually really happy. And, and this is presumptuous and, and probably insulting for it. Maybe, but I, I'm glad to hear you talk about the Trump era because I know lots of people from Florida probably don't agree with whatever you're thinking. Oh, about of course that. not, because you know I've got family members that are like straight up QAnon pieces of I mean, shit. We all do. I'm from New York. I, I have I have family family friends, and it, like the, the whole thing put into question relationships in my life. Like every like, oh yeah, literally, it's tribal. It's like who are you with? You know what I mean? But I think it's a it's appropriately that way. I'm passionately that way. I mean, I'm from New York City. I'm like super liberal minded person. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm like my, my sister and I are like out of our immediate family. My sister and I are the only registered Democrats out of like a whole family of Republicans. Yeah, and 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 you know, for many many years that would have been fine. I, I just think there's like a a line that was crossed for me at least, um, where like. Where, where you used to be able to be like, I'm a Republican, I'm conservative, and you'd be like, I don't agree with you, and yeah. I, I think you know, it to a degree, and and then and and it's gotten to the point I think for me where I, I just think the Republican Party is like a clear danger to the country and world, like straight up, like I I, I believe that like a hundred percent, the Republican Party is dangerous to our country, because they, I mean they they. They largely denied and enabled a government takeover. Like we can't forget oh, no. that happens. Like we Dude. can't forget that, like these people in Congress were denying it when they were locked up when when they were on lockdown while you know Nancy Pelosi's door was getting kicked down and people with guns and handcuffs were were coming into their freaking job, getting ready to kill and take hostages. Like that's the reality of the way that Republicans shaped our country in four years. But I mean, it's longer than four it, it, years. It's been longer than that, but many generations at this point, but, or not many, but like a few. And, and it's just like, I I am at the point where I'm the, I, I'm in the mentality of if you're a Republican still in 2021, like then you're, you're blind. Like it, you, you just, you don't understand um, I, I see very little. I, I see very little coming back from the other side. If if 
what you've seen in the last few years hasn't changed you. You know what I mean? What, what What's crazy to me, and I, I agree with that, what's crazy to me is you see Republicans like Mitt Romney and Liz Cheney who are actively against Trump. You know, they, they still have their conservative values and all that stuff. They actively speak out against Trump and in what happened on January 6th. And yet they're trying to be censured. They're trying to be ousted by the party. That to me is insane. That's when you know shit is lost. When someone like Mitt Romney, who was a presidential nominee, could have possibly been president, you know, is being completely ousted by his own party. That's when, you know, things are just like, and that guy's like a perfect picture of a Republican, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally reasonable man with like conservative values and like it, he doesn't. I, I don't. I never man. agreed with everything that he did when he, you know, when he was running for, you know, no. president and all that stuff. But geez, when you fucking compare him to what we have yeah. now, it's like shit. He looks so timid, you know. Yeah, being a kid and like and being actively infuriated by George Bush, and like. Voting for Obama was the first vote the time I ever had to vote. Um, and, you know, my dad. Al Gore was my first vote with Al Gore versus George W. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm sorry. J- John Kerry. I was too young oh. in 2000. Okay. Yeah. John Kerry yeah. was my first vote. I remember just being so enthused to get out and vote for anything that was the opposite of George W. Bush. Oh, my God. Yeah. Time, we used to just think he was the biggest idiot. We just thought he would go on the TV and you'd be like, this man is so dumb. I don't want to hear him speak. He makes us look bad. I don't believe in what he's doing. We're going to more wars. We don't need to do that. And like from the, like he I would take George Bush for three more terms over a, uh, over what Trump did to our country. God, like I it don't was know. it's night day, man. It's so bad. But but I I I mean with with Trump's rhetoric and what happened with the party yes i agree with that but with what bush did in terms of like warmongering and him and dick cheney the way they fucking pumped out that military industrialized complex to the max i i kind of don't know if i agree with that it's but 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 if you had to choose between the two fuck man that is that's tough that's yeah it's like like you're trying to Choose between a shit sandwich and a turd. A hundred percent. I mean, I guess I was being a little hyperbolous, but it's still, I just, I, I, there, I used to say this early on and then I think I hit a point where I just don't know anymore about what the fuck is going on when when it came to the Trump era of things. But like, and, and, and I think it's, it's true for all politicians. It's not just for Republicans. There used to be a time where they were smart about being assholes like yeah. straight up there used to be a time where like they would lie and we wouldn't know and like the ignorance was bliss in a lot of ways like we it could be yeah like the the thing about bush and cheney and that whole era and i might have been too young to perceive uh, anything other than his clear lack of public speaking skill and vocabulary but like it was it, it was apparent that things were happening and we didn't always know why um, and, and, you know, the results and the later declassified stuff usually spoke to 
the true intent behind things. Whereas yeah. with like Trump and the last few years of like Republicans, it's like they wrote the sign "fuck you" on everything they did out loud. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so like you had a reason to be angry immediately, as opposed to being like, oh. Well, fuck, going to war because of 9-11 was horrible because it was for money and oil and whatever. Well, shit, Which, I mean, I mean, yeah, you, you may have been too young to remember, but but I can strictly remember. Like, yeah, I was in high school when that all happened, and I can clearly remember, like, yeah, we were not going to war because of 9-11. Yeah, for Af when we went to war with Afghanistan, yeah, that was the intent. But then you find out, okay, it's for oil. And then we decide to go to war to Iraq. No, the motherfucker wanted to finish what his father started back in the yeah. early 90s. It, it was a complete yeah. fucking sham. And what pissed me off with that was my friends were going over there and getting killed, you know, yeah. because of that motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, it's still happening. My, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I, I, my brother has a friend who died in the last few years. They just put a memorial sign up in the town we grew up, like a uh, a uh, a street named after him, or like a memorial. Mm -hmm. They had a whole memorial ceremony after him. He was a marine. So it's like it's still happening. It's kind of oh, I know. It's kind of. I just like. That's a huge problem I have with America in general, and I think. As generations keep getting like we keep getting older and older and older and younger people become smarter to it we just realize how just fucking like imperialistic and um fake national nationalist and shitty we are like we're yeah. just always at war we're always trying to take someone else's money we're, we're not good to our own people like yeah. america, america is just like a world bully shithead you know it can be yeah it, it really can be and, and, and there's always this defense from my parents or like even other people in the country. And I get it a lot of times is like, well, a lot of places are worse. And it's like, yeah, that, that is true. Yeah. But is it an excuse at a certain point to say other places at worse instead of wanting to actively improve what's supposed to be the best country in the world? Right. It's like, do you just lay down and go like, well, everywhere's worse. Like, we're just, we're good. Like, be blind to the shittiness of everything. Or do you just, like, actively want to improve on what's supposed to be a great thing? That's how and, I feel about it. No, and I agree with that thought. And what sucks to try to make anything better, you know, especially if you want to try to make it better either locally, statewide, or even federally, you need, you need that money. You need that freaking money to get those lobbyists and, you know, talk to your you know, congressmen and all that stuff and governors to try to get anything done. Right. Yeah. And there goes my cat. What happened? Was it screaming? No, it, she's in heat right now. And she's freaking. you can hear it. She, she needs that love. She's meowing all yeah. over the place. Yeah. But, um, no. So, so speaking of the Trump error and th this is the thing that, um, that I've thought about just how, Bad. I, I I mean when when I think of like how Trump got elected, I I just think of how the Democrats really screwed themselves over, like during that whole 2016 campaign, where there was such a huge base for Bernie, and then I and then what, what was it? Bernie, Bernie had a huge base, and then Hillary got the nomination, and then I think it was a lot of the Bernie supporters even didn't want anything to do with Hillary. Because they just Hillary just felt so unlikable. Yeah. And then yeah, that was a 
Iron Man. And then, like, the Democrats were not united at all against their candidate. And then pretty much how Trump won, because the Republicans were, you know, kind of united again with Trump. And then I, I'll i be honest, like, when Trump got elected, I didn't think, eh, it, it can't be that bad, right? In the first two years, it didn't seem that bad. Like, yeah, there wasn't a lot of great stuff to it. But it didn't seem like it was going to be that bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know how it was like in other parts of the country. Definitely escalated. I yeah. mean, in New York, I, the day he got elected was like, it was like 9-11 part two. And I don't want to make light of 9-11 oh, at really? all. But I, I, I will say like taking the subway to work. Uh, I was working... When he got elected, I was working at the Rachel Ray cooking show at the time. <laughs> and I was taking the subway to work. And I distinctly remember everybody's face. And even my own demeanor was angry, upset, down, um, defeated. It was a somber, shitty state in New York City the day that Trump got elected. I remember my ex-girlfriend was crying all night. I remember my roommates who were all uh, my friends were super upset and shitty and just like it was it was a notably bad day um damn that's crazy because i mean obviously being in florida it's like complete opposite i was just more of the thought of oh what's the worst that could happen and then i tried to be that way you know you like to survive you 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 do what you do to survive right yeah so for me i was like like when it was happening i was pissed i was upset and i was feeling the energy of the city but i was not like um I wasn't letting it defeat my day to day. I was trying not to. Yeah. And that became harder and harder and harder to do every day that he was in office because something new would come. Just just think about how shitty it was. At least, I mean, in my experience, at least where it was just like I became a, like doom scrolling was like the only time I ever done that in my life was because of Trump. Like I would go on Reddit and I would sit there and refresh the politics thread just to see like what shit thing happened are we going to war are we like are we you know is he canceling another thing that's important are we defunding what like what are we defunding now where are we going to war with who is he in bed with now like there there was like a non-stop trickle of bullshit every single day or week every day that he was in office and it just got worse and worse and worse and then uh, until of course the inevitable where we were all saying for years we're like well, he might just say, no, I don't want to leave. And then fucking, and we all didn't want to believe it would happen. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Like, nah, like he can't do that shit. Like, nah, we're like, there's not going to be violence. Like, I don't like we, there can't be like, they can't try it. And then it happened. <laughs> and we're just I know. Like, right. Dude, dude, oh, that, fuck. dude, that was fucking insane. Like I, I can remember, like, I didn't start really doom scrolling a whole lot till sometime in 2019. Um, especially when the, the elections started to start up around then because to try to figure out who the Democratic nominee was going to be. And it, when they picked Joe Biden, I was like, fuck, we're done. <laughs> we're, yeah, me too. And, and it's like, and, and what's scary is Joe Biden barely won. Like, yep. like when you look at the popular vote, he barely won. And that's how fucking scary. Even the states that he did win in, like what Georgia... Michigan and like Arizona and all that he barely won and mm -hmm. Pennsylvania was another big one um so 
it, it, it's there's still a lot of like turmoil and division e- e- even now with it, it didn't go away it, it, and it's all. not going to go away and well, with all these voting laws they're trying to enact they're just going to make it harder and it's I, I would not be surprised if Republicans take the House and Senate and next year yeah it's shitty to think about it's nice to have a breath of fresh air in the last few months of not having to care about the news as much right because like you want to be an active participant in your government and what's going on and like voting is usually the bare minimum of what people do in this country if that right like how many mm-hmm. like not even people vote here so it's like yeah people chuck the news on whatever but the news a lot of time is biased or like fox news or whatever the fuck and like it you know i'm not somebody who ever cared for politics or like to think much about it i would vote with who i believed in i would do research or whatever mm-hmm. this last four years was like dreadful to to care as much as i felt like i had to um and so it's nice to kind of feel like i can breathe for a minute without yeah. being like oh like you know fucking he he said this on twitter or whatever the fuck like i don't right. know that example i no, can't well, the, the list is so endless that i oh, can't I even name a valid example anymore it's like oh they like you know whatever shit thing happened and any day of the week uh from trump just name one of those it's it, nice to have, not have any of it <laughs> and, and you and you know what's crazy that i think about is if trump had shown any sort of competency during the beginning of the pandemic like Mm -hmm. actually tried to mount some sort of response and really have a good pandemic team going if he didn't dismantle what obama set up beforehand Mm -hmm. he'd be president today oh if he did guarantee if he did anything well at all, he he did the opposite of any president what he should be doing. Like li- the literal opposite of any person in office um, should do. Like the whole the whole scene where he was shooting tear gas at people and holding a Bible in front of a church. <laughs> he held it upside oh, down. <laughs> like, dude, it's like, oh god, dude, it's so bad. He fucked up everything, dude. Like thousands of Americans are dead because of Trump and his administration. It's so fucked up to think about. Oh yeah, it. but it's true. But it's dead serious. You could just straight up equate it to that. Like, yeah. rep- like if he had just shown any competency during the pandemic response, he'd be president today. I, I don't. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, Biden. I was the maybe the most unexciting person they possibly could have picked. Period. Oh, I, I was and hoping I, for Elizabeth Warren, to be honest. Like I would, anybody else. I yeah. mean, she would have lost, though. I, I just, yeah. I, I don't know. Trump would have People done the don't. whole Pocahontas thing to her. There's so much sexism still. And like, oh, I, yeah. but like, I get why Hillary had so much negativity. It was beyond sexism. It was, it was, she was just such an unlikable, unrelatable robot person that had a bad track record. Well, and yeah, like, and because she was the career politician, um, and yep. and people wanted something new for a change. Because let's be honest, like the last four years of Obama, not a whole lot happened because of the Republican gridlock. I mean, yeah, I, I I'm reading through Obama's memoirs right now, um, and all that, and it, it's crazy that like one of his first meetings with Mitch McConnell and John Boehner, they basically told him we're going to do everything we can to stop what to stop what you're going to do. 
and, yeah. and that that was during the American financial crisis back in twenty in two thousand eight. And yeah. like, okay, you guys want the American economy to crash because I'm a Democrat? Yep, pretty much. It's like that's how fucked up it is, man. They don't care about people. No, that's they the don't. They, they don't care about the people of the country. It's party over people. It's as simple as that. Like straight up, it's, it's straight yeah. up party over people. And it, what's wild to me is that the people that they want to be part of their party don't see it that way i'm just like how do you not realize how fucking dumb you look and how like used you are like you're just a fucking moron following these people that don't give a shit about you and it's not like i'm sitting here like the democrats care about me because they don't fucking care about me either but the republicans are so blatant about it and their policies are so much more obviously against people in the country that it's like night and day almost it's like you can choose a party that like at least has some ideas that are more progressive or you can choose one that has the opposite and they give less of a fuck about you, period. And it's just like, well, shit, that's not a hard choice, I don't think. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. And and what's fucked up is I, I, I like to believe that a lot of people enter politics, especially at like state or federal level, they, they want to try to make a change, right? They, they honestly believe that they're going to make a change, but the system is so fucked that they're going to eventually become corrupt and or just do what they can to try to keep their power. Yeah. And that's why I liked Bernie so much in 2016 because he seemed, he always seemed and is so escaped from that. I mean, to as much as he can. Oh yeah. I voted for him during the primaries. Yeah. I went to a Bernie rally in Prospect Park. It was amazing. Oh, nice. Vito was there. It was like, that was the most enthused and engaged in our government and political discourse I ever was, was when Bernie was running and I felt like I finally had somebody that I could relate to and believe like straight up, like at all. You know, there was always the lesser of two evils games game is like what it's like to be an American voter. But, <laughs> right. But for Bernie, it felt like for once that I wasn't voting for evil. And, and I, I can see what you mean about that 100%. So I was so on board with his just like mentality and enthusiasm over like helping people. It just seemed like I just I never saw the I, I never understood the, the other people's perspective of like the reasoning behind not wanting to support it. Like I, I always understood the idea that many of the things that would try to be accomplished by a progressive Democrat, uh, you know, a Democratic Socialist are are difficult and not going to be a four-year thing that happens or an eight-year thing that happens but i was willing and wanting to have that change which is why it was an interesting election because it was populism it was like one side was very much like speaking to the youth and people that wanted you know someone different and that was bernie and then the other one was just like the fucking worst and it was just like a shitty dumbass orange talk show host <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, like but you, but but have... he he was so enticing because he said shit that no politician would ever say at the time yeah like and, yeah. and that's what attracted trump to so many people he would just say the craziest off the wall shit yeah and which i still don't understand <laughs> like, I, I just don't get it like it's it's one of those things that's like funny for the first like one time you hear it on the debate stage and then you are like okay i'm done Oh, yeah, because I can remember the first time I saw the Republican debates back then and 
it was like, you know, the 15 Republicans or whatever, and Trump's there. And I just remember thinking, like, there's no fucking way Trump is ever going to get picked. I thought it was going to be Jeb Bush or one one of the other fucks. I can't remember who. Just made them look like fools. Yeah. Because he, 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 because he spoke a different language than them. Yeah. They were all trying to be calm and, and composed. And when everyone on the stage is doing that, it works. You don't look like as much of a clown. Like, yeah. Jeb Bush not look good. Fucking uh, Ted Cruz looked like an idiot. Oh, God. Like, they all look like dumbasses because Trump would just be like, you're fucking dumb or, like, whatever the hell he'd say. He'd be like, your wife is hates you and, like, your fucking kids hate you or whatever he'd say. <laughs> and they would just, they would break down. They'd be like, they'd be like, well, fuck you. I don't know. Like, I'm, uh, my dad, I went to college and he'd be like, fuck off. Like, you know. <laughs> so it would just be like, but it fucking it was, worked. It was, it's just. And what's what's funny to me, speaking of Ted Cruz, is how he's become such a fucking lap dog now of Trump. Dude, straight up, dude. And the and I still love the whole thing when the Texas freeze happened. He blamed his fucking daughters for wanting to go on that trip to Cancun or whatever the hell. Um, dude, so clearly a clown in all regards. Oh my God. Like, but yet he's going to get voted again. It's like it it boggles my I mean it shouldn't boggle yeah. my mind but it boggles my mind. Yeah. It's like I feel the same way, man. It's, it's like, like what it's like to be an American these days. It's just like, oh, those things that are clearly should be changing, nah, they're not going to change. Like every like every single other thing that's just ingrained. It's like, oh, we've had like a billion mass shootings in the last 10 years and there's like look at our prison system and it's just like yeah but we're good though like it's we're not gonna change it like, it's, i don't know man i don't it's, know what the fuck to do anymore it's it's sad it's like i i think of florida right um when we had rick scott as a governor he the guy looks like straight up voldemort and mm -hmm. th this guy literally siphoned billions out of one of the hospital systems he worked for here was put on trial wasn't found you know guilty or anything because of his fucking good ass lawyers that he paid a shit ton of money for yet yeah, this motherfucker not only got elected as governor now he's a state senator or, or and um shit pr wouldn't be surprised if he runs for president one year or whatever it's like that that's the kind of shit that like florida has to deal with and w the one good republican governor that we actually had was charlie christ who's now a democrat and the reason, and you want to know why he became a Democrat? Because he was what? ousted from his party because um, when Obama came down for something, I, I can't remember like what, I think it was maybe for Obama health care. He, he, when Obama was trying to do the big push on his health care bill, he came down, Charlie Chris met with him, shook his hand and was really friendly towards him. Just those optics alone lost Charlie Crist his second term in governorship and had him basically ousted from his party because he was nice to Obama. That's like, like what other reason other than racism? I just don't get it. Oh like, yeah. Straight up. I just, like what other re like there's no other reason. Like I just, there's no logical reason in my head. It's not logical. That's what it is. I mean, there's, there's no logic. It's just like, straight up racism or just like bigotry because you can disagree with him and there's a lot that i didn't like about him just like everyone else like fucking drone striking kids and whatever the shit he did that wasn't good but oh yeah but like you know he was not a perfect president but there wasn't a day that went by that i was like 
I was never ashamed about Obama and Joe Biden. I was never, I, I never felt like a deep shame to be an American when, when Obama was in office. Yeah, there were questionable things and I didn't like them. There was never a moment where. But I he felt like it. he genuinely tried to care, you know. He did. And I still do believe that he cared about people and his country and taking care of people and, and progressing things. I do. I just genuinely believe that. Whereas, like, Trump, I, like, I worry that some people think I, and my, and I know for a fact that some people, including my family members, think I'm, like, actively anti-American because of how much Trump made me question, like, this country in general. Yeah. Like, I, I, it just made me upset to be yeah. an American in, the, like, so many ways. The, the fact that. You, you know, I, I've put it this way before. Okay, yeah. Support Trump, fine, whatever. You, you know, j just for d during when Trump was president. The fact that anyone could still support him after January 6th truly boggles my mind. Like, yeah, the, the fact that people are now downplaying that, oh, it was Antifa dressed up like Trump supporters doing that shit, or it was, you know, it was all fake, it was all staged, and nothing bad really happened during that, you know. The, the fact that I still have family members that can still support Trump, still think he's, you know, God's gift to Earth and whatever, just shows, like, they're truly lost, right? You know? Oh, absolutely. I agree. Like, yeah. Like, you know, fine. You, you voted for him the second time, whatever, you know, you, you supported him, but you still support him after that incident happened. Now you're, you're fucking done. You, you can't, there's no going back from it. that's un-American right there. Supporting yeah. something like that. Cause that's, you know, cause you're way too gone at that point. Yeah. Because it, you just make it, you're making it's nonstop, uh, it's nonstop mental gymnastics. And that's how I always felt about it. But like after that, I can't even say I'm surprised by that though, man, to be honest with you. Like I, I think there were like 30,000 other moments where people had the opportunity to be like, nah, I'm, like what am I doing? But like it, what boggles my mind more and more is the people that genuinely think that he's like God's gift and was an incredible president and leader. When you just like, like think about the facts about Donald Trump. How many wives he's had, how many fucking like issues he's had, how unchristian the man is in general. Uh, the fact that yeah, he, like, like, like how could evangelicals even support someone like him? It, it's it's so backwards that it's like comical. It's like you you're yourself by supporting Trump. You're you're self parodying yourself. And it, it gets hard to have a logical discourse with people that support him, especially after these big events, because you, you they're just they just come off like morons, like straight up because you're just like, how can you ignore like the reality of this man and his life, like factual events and things that he's done and stands for and be like, I go to church or like he's a good Christian man. Like I just, it just makes no sense. You know, it makes zero sense to me. I don't know. I mean, shit, <laughs> j just even that recording of him, grab him by the, yep. You know, just that was enough for me, man. Like in 2016, that was enough for me. I, I, I don't know. That's, uh, 
yeah, that's where that's where I was drawing lines. But you know, people had many many other lines, I guess, that needed to be drawn or still can't be. <laughs> so who the fuck knows? Yeah, like know. like if a capital insurrection doesn't change people's minds, I don't know what will. Uh, nothing. Nothing. Uh, like there's, I I literally have family members that think that it was all a staged event. Think that Joe Biden's not really the president. Trump is still in charge and all that stuff. Like that's so wild, man. Fucking. I couldn't. I couldn't deal with that. I I envy your. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much you deal with it, but I. Oh, I I, I don't. I I mean, I just see it on Facebook and I just you know block them or mute them or whatever. I have family members like that too. I just don't. I I don't. Um, I'm not on Facebook. I think that's the most toxic place for it. Oh my god! Because yeah. the thing the thing about Facebook is that it's like. I mean like boomers and like older people than us that's their like social media because they use it as just like a means to communicate with their old classmates or whoever and they don't realize that like 15 other forms of social media came out and we all exist on them like like discord is beyond the majority of like older generations minds oh yeah twitter Instagram, TikTok, all that shit is like it they they might as well not even exist. They don't even know they exist or they wouldn't know how to function on those platforms. <laughs> it's like Facebook is like the breeding ground for boomer bullshit behavior. <laughs> it was just like like Dude, you know shit and like replying to comments and I haven't had Facebook in 6 years straight up like 7 6 or 7 years I deleted it ago. I, I still I use it because I've got some of my podcast stuff on there. I've got a few people that follow it on there. Um, we used to, yeah. and, and it's how I coordinate some of my D and D games too. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a means of communication. Yeah, but we used to. There was a running joke with my podcast that I used to always say this at the end of the episodes, but I would be like, "Yeah, go follow our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Fuck Facebook, though. Like, don't follow. <laughs> like, I would specifically say that because I would I wouldn't go on it. My brother would like run it, and we we had some viewers and I mean listeners that would, you know, like our content on there, and that would be the way they consumed our posts or whatever. But I would just I would always say fuck Facebook at the end of our at the end of our episodes. It was a joke by the end of the podcast, actually. I mean, it, it is a joke at this point. I mean, shit. It, it's I, I I do enjoy um. So, so I'm still part of some local groups with around town and just seeing some of the political discourse and just seeing all the out of touch people on there. It's I I, I know I shouldn't doom scroll it but sometimes i do and it's just the stupidity i see and, and what's even sad is so when i take my daughter to and from her elementary school every morning i've got a younger daughter um i drive by three houses that still have trump flags up and it's like dude it's over like just accept it and i still see it too in new york that's crazy to me i mean i see it everywhere in florida still i mean yeah, I mean, even in even in Brooklyn, man. Like, I when I was moving out and, and moving, uh, there's an area like close to East New York that I would drive by to get onto the expressway, and there was there was a couple houses that I still remember a few months ago, uh, like draping giant Trump flags, and I'm like, how the fuck have you not gotten your ass kicked every time you exist in this building? Or like, I, it just boggles the mind. Oh, they'd be welcomed here in Florida. What was that? <laughs> They'd be welcomed here in Florida. Oh, I'm sure. It, it's uh, 
it's so tribal to me because there's not people like if if there's a biden something it's a stick a bumper sticker that they left on because they didn't want to fuck their paint up or something yeah but trump it's like here's my trump sticker that says like some other ridiculous statement has a gun on it or like i have a giant flag draping off of my four by four truck or whatever the fuck and it's like it's so drastically different uh the representation i think of political alignment yeah because i can't think of i mean i know obama had the the hope pictures and all that but i can't remember anything close to what we saw in the four years of trump like in terms of the the flags and the memorabilia and all that shit well it's a brand really yeah yeah the the hats everywhere yeah i can't think of yeah obama was just mainly that hope poster and i'm sure there's probably some other stuff with obama but nothing i i don't even recall anything with george w or anything at all no no it, everything changed it's social yeah. media it's all because yeah. of the way that everything is a brand and marketed now yeah it's um i mean i mean hell look at the ad that you just edited the mayo guy i mean yeah the, the random what was it audience member at a baseball game um now has a sponsorship brand yeah, lots of brands do stuff like that now. It's like, uh, it's it's the like social mediafication of advertising or art in general. Like I worked on a into a Bud Light ad where the dude caught the beer in his light. Like he didn't drop his beer. Like he chested the beer to catch it, or he chested the ball to catch it instead of putting his beer down or whatever. And that became a whole ad. It it aired during the World Series. Oh wow. Like, it, like people in the stands or like anything is an ad now like anything can be made into comedy and and whatever because any good people are brands i mean this is mm-hmm. my attempt that i get circling back to content because <laughs> we hey. talked about politics for an hour but hey that's I'm okay down for i'm down yeah. for, like, like i said this podcast we talk about anything and everything we talked a little bit about magic we did for a little bit there yeah, we did yeah. i mean and I, I like talking about both i don't get to talk about the politics stuff that often but I'm glad I usually don't like to, but I feel like I've had a little bit of a break from the bullshit. So I feel like I, my tanks were recharged slightly. I know it's okay. It's okay. Like I said, but, it's uh, anything and everything. Um, talk about some local politics about how I think the police around here are corrupt. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> like how the, 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 the local sheriff in town here is, has it in, um, Oh fuck. What was it? he purposely bought some body armor from like a company that his cousin works for or something like that. I think that was like a big news story or something that leaked. It, it was like, it was like some, some police protection equipment, like backroom wow. deals on shit like that. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that much of the corruption, but just the way the police act, I went to like a, a protest and vigil for George Floyd back in the height of the whole thing. Yeah. And it was like a, a bunch of people, but it was like a local, it was very interesting because it was like close to where I grew up on Long Island. So it was like, it wasn't New York city. It wasn't huge. It was tame outside of a, ta- a town hall. Just like the shaved head, white cops with their, with their glasses on, just looking angry and like ready for any sort of trouble. It was just like, and I, I'll, Okay, so there's something that happened. That, this is actually an interesting story. Something happened like super early on that pissed me off so much. It's so, like they had already cleared 
they cops always try to make some bullshit out of nothing or like or try and make you feel like you're fucking up even though you're not like bad cops do but you know, yeah whatever and, and so i remember going there and it was it was run by a family and um it was organized by a family and like another few people that were part of the same group and so they had a table where they had letters to send out to like brianna taylor's uh district attorney and like they had it organized where you could pick stuff up that was already mail addressed and everything and like write letters to like, you know, ask for justice for these people that had been fucked. Yeah. And it was great. And they had like, they were making, they were spray painting t-shirts and for their, for their cause. And they were, they had food and drinks, everything free and giving stuff out. And it was great. It was like a bunch of people. It was very diverse, like a diverse amount of people. And, I remember the cop coming up and talking to the dude who organized it and he was giving the guy some trouble, but not really. He was like trying to be nice about it. And he said something that really pissed me off. So the guy like the guy was like, yeah, we already had permission, yada, yada. And he was just like, we're here to protect you and make sure everything goes well, you know, keep it whatever. And then the leader of the group that organized it walked away. And then the cop, as he was walking away into his car, like called up one of his buddies on his like my, on his thing and was like, "Yeah, you know, you come on down. It's uh, you know, it, it's like a lemonade stand. Don't worry about it. It's nothing." And I just remember his tone. He just like he he belittled the the vigil and protest and equated uh, you know the table that they had organized with letters and food and and the whole group of people that were there to a lemonade stand. And I just thought to myself, like, what a fucking asshole. Is, is that like, supposed to, like, mean something, like, lemonade stand? Or is that just, I, I, I guess I don't get it. Well, like, you think about a lemonade stand, it's like a little kid, like, giving out oh, lemonade. Oh, okay, okay. Like, to me, it just, it was just an arrogant comment yeah. about, like, we weren't doing shit. And it was just like, you didn't have to, you know. You yeah. Didn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't violent. It wasn't, you know super shitty in any you know whatever degree but it just really it laid out it set the tone for me to really feel angry at the police being there (laughs) like because they were just there they blocked off streets or whatever and they kept it safe but it was still like they i i wasn't happy to look at cops while i was hearing about you know people talk on the microphone about other people who got killed by cops yeah. It was just a shitty way to start off the the protest was here. This cop kind of belittle the entire event. Um, but anyway. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. that that sucks. There, there, I, there was only one kind of protest in my town and I wanted to go. But where they were holding it was I, I knew something bad was going to happen and something bad did happen. So thank God I didn't go because what happened was a whole bunch of Confederate redneck racist assholes showed up. And one guy with a machete started charging at the black people um, who were protesting and, you know, had to get knocked down by police and tased and all that stuff. But fuck, man, it it was like almost chaos there that happened. It's like I was hesitant to go to go to anything. It it was a risk the entire time, which is so scary because it's like it. it, it, That's the way the country was, man. Oh, I know. You can't go protest anymore. And, and and protests are always a charged thing. Like mm-hmm. back in the 70s, even, you know, you're charged or 60s, you're, you're protesting Vietnam and there was violence. But it's like, it's a different level of violence when you fear that, like, 
it, it doesn't even extend to just race anymore. It's like this ideological thing where it's like I I could just be in the area and get run over or like fucking shot up because, you know, I'm I am wanting for people to not get killed. <laughs> like it, yeah. it's so wild the fear and consideration and, and like I one of my good friends um he's he's trans and I was like yo man I, I don't want to go alone because you don't want to go alone right like I'm just a white dude but I would still I'm like just like you I'm I I was scared and hesitant to be like I'm going to this thing because you never know. And he was like hell no like as a trans person like I can't I can't even like I, I would be, I would feel way more unsafe even than you, you know. So I, it was just I, I ended up going to alone, alone to this thing and taking yeah. a risk, which is not advisable anywhere. <laughs> but I, I did. I went alone, and I was just like, nobody else can go with me, so I'll do it. But yeah, that was a, that was a fucking what a what a year, man. It's like Damn. we had <laughs> we had the pandemic, and then we had everything at once. I think that's what was Dude. fucked up about yeah. it. Yeah. It wasn't just like it wasn't just like oh, stay home. Thousands and millions of people are dying around the world. It was like well, throw all this other bullshit on top of it. How about that? Just like take it all at once. So bad. What yeah, you yeah, and, and it, it, it's getting to a point where I'm, I'm forgetting like stuff that actually happened last year. Or I, I, I guess maybe that's not a good way to put it, but it's like. 2020 is starting to feel like the missing year and all that yeah where it's like you know shit happened and all that stuff but it's just been like too much to process like mm -hmm. way too much shit too much shit to process and it's been i don't know oh man it's been crazy and it's like and i wanted to bring up something with cops uh real quick and you know, um, dude, I've got some friends that are in law enforcement and all that people that I've known and dude, it's, I don't know th this whole cop situation. It's, I, I mean, I don't know how to feel about it a lot of times because it's obviously we need some sort of law enforcement, right? But it's also, what do we do to make it better? Right. Like, is it more training for them? Is it, you know, obviously they don't need access to like military type equipment and all that shit. They don't need fucking tanks and all that stuff. Leave that shit to the National Guard and the military and whatnot. But, you know, I just feel like it's such a shit job right now where it's like we're still going to need people to protect us. But yet what do you do to make it better and, and, and it's not just and to me that the answer is not just one thing where it's like you know defund the police you know get better training and all that stuff it's the whole fucking system is fucked yeah as well but too that's, that that's what makes it hard because like i yeah i mean i in new york there's a lot of friends of mine and even myself can be guilty of the whole a cab like fuck cops thing and i as a white dude i even have never had a positive experience with the cop in my life even family friends i've never in my life once had a good experience with the police officer so like i don't like police but mm -hmm. i do understand that like that's their job and 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 it is a valid job and it is something that like people and family members and 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 like it's just a thing people do and it's, it, for a lot of people it's the option 
So, but the, the issue, and I think you're speaking to it perfectly, is like, what's the solution? And there isn't one because, because the solution is that there's like 50 other things that need to get fixed. There's no, and, but that's America. There's, there's so many layers. There's <laughs> yeah. so many layers to how fucked up certain things are and institutions are that like to fix one thing that you have to fix like seven other things. And I think that's in a lot of ways intentional, at least in certain institutions. I think certain things have been built to, to feel that way. I mean, you just even look at our taxes, right? Like <laughs> you look at the fact that we have to file taxes, even though the IRS knows exactly how much we owe or whatever, <laughs> or like, you know, anything, yeah. anything like voting. Why aren't we automatically registered when we turn 18 and like in the system? Why is it? Why is there any sort of voter suppression or any of that shit? It's just like that extends that sort of thing extends to like, the majority of major institutions in America. So it's like, you want to fix cops, people are angry and they're screaming defund the police and I, and I believe that defunding things is a good way to start. But like, where's, you know... It's not going to fix everything though. It's not going to fix everything. Because you need to it's fix the terrible. criminal justice system. You need to fix yeah. that cops need to stop being um, basically tax collectors for counties and cities as well too. Yeah. Because... Well, that, that, other aspect yeah it's like why why are the cops that are essentially a public service for the community having to essentially collect taxes in a sense by you know writing tickets you know fines misdemeanors and all that stuff when you look at other public services like you know animal control or 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 ambulance or firefighters they don't need to actually show that they make money you know yeah what, why, yeah, like why, the, why do cops have to sh do that? Yeah, like a quota is a, is yeah. a fucked up thing. Cause, like the amount of times that I've been stopped. I mean, I was I was with my mom like a few, a, a few years ago, and we were I don't remember we were going together, but we got pulled over, and her her like back light was out or something, and it was a first offense. It was like we didn't know, but the woman was assertive and and angry and put a flashlight on us, and we're like the two whitest most chill people <laughs> like and she she acted as if we were criminals and wrote a ticket without even hearing us and it was because she needed it was the end of the month yeah and like and everybody knows up. that as much as cops will try to deny it we know that there's a quota it, it yeah and and we know that they have to generate revenue like how fucked up is that why should people that are industry. supposed to i yeah i i know it's an industry but it's like when you think of the idea of a police officer that's supposed to protect and serve and serve the community to make it safer. Why should they have to generate revenue like that? Why should private prisons and private jails have to worry about making sure they get the money from the county, city, or state to ensure that they're still being profitable? And, you know, then they work out deals with whatever city, county, state they're in to ensure that, hey, we're seeing X amount of people going in and out of this here so they can charge it back to, you know, whomever. How fucked up is that, man? It's so fucked. Yeah. I feel like you could just say, how fucked up is that to look so <laughs> many? Like, oh, it's, it's, you're, you're, you're saying it about, like, a few specific things, but it's like th those things are connected to, like, ten other things. Oh, oh, I, I know, I know. And, and it's... And it's like, th that's what gets me with the whole cop thing. Like it's, it's so 
to me, it's so easy to say defund the police. Yes, I'm not saying I disagree with that. It's, but it's like that doesn't fix it though. It there, no. there there's like five million other things. It's just like we're saying. Right. It's like yeah. I don't know. And, and the and the, the fund the police the the people that believe the fund the the police uh, the a lot of it. Um, <clears throat> is a philosophical mindset change. And that's one of the hardest things to do in America. That, that, that's a big issue that I have with that whole movement. And it, it, it's not an issue that I have because I believe it. Um, but you have to be a, you have to be an extremely optimistic person, I think, to believe that that sort of thing can happen in this country. And a lot of the time, like I, I've lost a lot of my optimism. I'm pretty, I'm pretty um, pessimistic about Americans and America and, and a lot of the world, but like, to fix, to defund the police, a lot of the end goal is to make uh, community servants and to have services in a community. It's about it's about bringing community together. Mm -hmm. It's about asking people to be responsible and care about each other more, um, and asking more of the individual person than relying on one sole entity that can you know have too much power or whatever. Yeah. And those things are great ideas, right? There's the idea that like you and your neighbors are working together to keep each other safe and um there might be a group of people that are police-like but their but their responsibilities are lesser and they don't wield as much power that sort of thing is an ideal that's that's something that that's to be worked for worked towards and and like is is hopeful that could one day be that way but that's like to to say defund the police and then hope that that's the sort of thing that can happen in any sort of you know, period of time other than like straight up generations and like world changing events. Like, I just don't think America's in the place to do things like that. Yeah. We're not even in the place to like, we're, we're, we're still, we're still dealing with calling people like Bernie Sanders, like communists, dude. Like you think we can fucking, you God, think we can like, right. you, you think we're at any point to be like, Oh yeah. Like we don't need the police because our community's working together. People fucking don't care about each other in this country because that's the way America is like, Nobody gives a shit about their neighbor. Like, I don't care what you say. Like, the majority of us, like, talk shit about our neighbors. Like, they, have, they don't fucking trim their tree or, like, their driveway's a mess or whatever the fuck. Like, we all, we, like, and, and that's just, like, a lot of Americans in general. Like, nobody, like, to ask. Oh, I'm of guilty some, of that. My, my neighbor's yeah, right here. Are. They're fucking assholes. We all are guilty of <laughs> Like, everyone is yeah. But, like. But that's again, that's part of like being American in like a shitty way. Yeah. We pretend like, and I see a lot of it in the South. There's that like weird fake Southern charm of like, hey, I saw you in church and like whatever. And I feel like a lot of that is superficial and just like super fucking like phony. Um, where it it's just be, like, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian and I care about my neighbor, but really they go back and they talk, they talk to their friends and they're like, did you see what they did? They're a piece of shit. And that's everywhere though. That's not just the South. That's like, yeah. you know, I, I know New York families that do the same thing. So it's just like, yeah. When you talk about defund the police and make community projects, just remember how much we actually don't like each other. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> right. and, and, and that's why oh, we, fuck. we rely on, on institutions to take care of us because we don't actually give a shit. Or the majority of us don't. And that's the sad thing. So... Let's change things around a little bit. I've got some questions for you. Um, these are, I'm, I, I've been doing something a little new with the podcast. So I never usually have 
pre-written questions or anything. Like I said, there's usually just a conversation going. But since I've been back podcasting since my life is getting back to normal, I've decided to do like 10 little questionnaire for like just random questions out there. Um, okay. And figured let's start it off and see, see if people can learn more about you. All right. So cool. first one, you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. What's the scariest animal? What's the scariest animal? Uh, that's a shitty question to ask because I love animals and like all insects. I'm the type of person that picks up a spider, any kind of spider and brings it outside. Like, I don't care. I'm not really scared of many animals. I mean, scariest as in like, will fuck you up, I guess. Uh, hmm. Th- think of sea creatures too. You know? Oh, that's a good one. But I'm also fascinated by those. I did a report on like hatchet fish and deep sea animals when I was a kid because I liked them so much. I'm like, this is a hard question for me. The scariest animal, um, for, you know, this is going to be, a, this is going to, I'm going to, I say that and then I have a really funny answer. Horses kind of fucking weird me out. Okay. I don't know. They're just like big and muscular and I've they never are. ridden a horse or like rode a horse, ridden, rode, I don't know. And like, I just feel like. Yeah, I haven't been around horses that much. You just take like one good kick and you're done. So right? like, shattered and like, or like falling off, break an arm, collarbone, leg, whatever. It's just like, I feel like we've evolved past the point of riding horses and I don't know why people do it anymore. Like <laughs> it, it's cool, you know, yeah. and tend to your land and ride your animal, I guess. But I'm like, at the same time, try, try, try like, to feel more connected to nature. I, yeah, I guess so. There's something beautiful about it, I'm sure, for people that take care of horses and and raise them and 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 yeah. you know, ride them or whatever. But I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Horses are they're fucking. <laughs> it's a well, weird hey, answer. To that question. No, I, I like it. I like it. Um, what's the best sandwich? Ooh, oh, you're talking to somebody that goes to the deli every day of his life and gets a sandwich. I know you're in fucking New York City where probably like some of the best sandwiches yeah. are made. I just get like good sandwiches all the time. Um, the best sandwich, uh, something that I get often. I love a good chicken cutlet with melted cheese. Could be cheddar. I like cheddar. Uh, bacon and Russian dressing, lettuce, tomato on a roll is pretty Ooh, damn good. It's hard. Good. It's hard to beat something like that, and, and and a lot of New York delis make that really well. Um, damn, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, Russian dressing on on a chicken sandwich with like bacon and cheese on it is like pretty damn good. That's like the go-to, you know, for me. Sounds good. What's your least favorite smell? Hmm. Damn, that's a good question too. My least favorite smell. Mm, other people's body odor when it's like really un unkept. Yeah. I hate that. Uh, and that's as somebody that like in New York City I, I experience quite frequently. Like <laughs> oh, I population. Bet. Yeah. Like I, there are times where I'll where I was on the subway and I would I'll hold my breath for extended periods of time. And I, I, I've pushed my limit with how long I can hold my breath wow, around damn. people before. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. But I'm also a little bit of like a germaphobe to a degree. So I, I will like... Oh, I bet COVID didn't help at all. No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, you think I ever want to get on the subway again? Hell no, man. Oh, man. Hell no. Fuck. All right, what's your favorite smell? Go the opposite now. 
my favorite smell. Um, probably like fresh cut grass in the spring or summer. Hmm, interesting. I like that smell though. It's a good smell. It's like, or like um, after a rainy day and then it gets yeah. warm again, like a sun shower, and you can smell like you can smell like the evaporation off of like uh, the the concrete or rocks. So fresh cut like grass a, after a rainstorm. Like all of that together is yeah. like peak enjoyment because it, it's like it's all at once nostalgic, um, hopeful and like refreshing and night like and you know i i say that as a new yorker though because like we go through long periods of time where everything's gray and cold and you don't go outside and then when that hits when summer or spring hits and you get that sense of like well next couple months are going to be all right and it's gonna it, you know you you feel you feel the sun and everything's good it's kind of like the best that's awesome all right. All right. So you get one song to listen to for the rest of your life. What is it? Any uh, song. Toto. Africa by Toto. Okay. Hey, you said you said the OG, not Weezer. So not the Weezer one wasn't too bad, but you know, I like that. That was pretty good. I like nah, the OG. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. That's good. All right. What's one thing that you own that you should really throw out? Uh, thousands of commons and uncommon magic cards. <laughs> like thousands of fucking cards that just don't matter at all. You could way too many. You could sell them to LGS, can't you? Like a thousand for a dollar or something like that, or. Uh, what else do I own that's really stupid? I just like I have a lot of bullshit. I like video no well, the video games I like. I have too many guitars. I shouldn't throw it out. I guess the, mostly stuff I should sell. Yeah. Throw out different. Yeah, is there anything that you own that's like shit, I've been meaning to throw it out, you know, or you kept something and you're like, ah, I don't really want this anymore. But I like the magic really? card answers because that's a lot of people who play magic. I just threw stuff away. You might even be able to see that trash bag. Yeah, I can. There, but like, I can see. <laughs> I, I like to. Clean, I like to clean a lot. So like, I got rid of a shit ton of like old uh, precon deck boxes. Mm -hmm. I keep like rares and foils and stuff all together. And then like, I have boxes for different colors and and commons and stuff. I stay pretty organized with my magic collection. But like, I. I had like Eldrazi dual decks from original or like Battle for Zendikar oh, and nice. like Nissa Planeswalker deck from uh, from Kaladesh, and I just like dismantled it, took the good rares and mythics out of it, and then threw away the boxes. There's like way too much cardboard bullshit in my house, like way too much. Oh yeah, dude, and they're so wasteful too with all the packaging for all the shit. Yeah, it's hard, especially it's secret all... layer shit. That's way too much waste there. Yeah. I keep those boxes because they look cool, but like yeah. I don't think I'll ever do anything with them. I should probably throw those out too. I don't know. I think I've still got <laughs> some of mine somewhere. Uh, um, next one. What's something people seem to misunderstand about you? Um, sometimes when I'm joking, like I well, a lot of times it's pretty obvious when I'm joking, but then sometimes mm -hmm. I really enjoy fucking around and like and <laughs> knowing that I can I can have somebody not get it yeah uh sometimes my sense of humor gets in the in the in the area of like 
um, people don't get it or they're uncomfortable or something. You just want to see the reaction <laughs> out of people. Yeah, I've always liked that. It's maybe a manipulative thing. It's kind of shitty. Oh, it but definitely is. It's not is. really though, because it's never like it's never like malicious. Yeah. I just like to I just like to see I I get a lot of satisfaction out of seeing how people react to stupid shit. You, you want to be able to push the boundaries a little bit, see where you can yeah. take it. Yeah, sometimes. That, that's why I love DMing. That, that's why like I'm one of those forever oh, yeah. DMs in D and D. Oh hell yeah, yeah. It's sure. like I would probably love it. it it's I. I and I don't like when I was younger, like 18, 19. Yeah, I used to do a lot of the stupid, you know, shit back then with DMing. But now it's I just like seeing sort of like what we're saying, just pushing the boundaries a little bit. See how, you know, if I could get them to. I don't want to say like, fuck, just like you say, like just joking around like, yeah, OK, yeah, you guys just fought the three bandits. All right. Oh, look, there's a beholder coming now. Some stupid shit like that. You know. Yeah, it's well. I mean, you're you're called a dungeon master, right? Yeah. So uh, you do get to be the master of their fate, right? All right, all right. Next one. What would you pick for your last meal? Hmm. Probably a, a sausage egg and cheese with hot sauce on a hero or a roll. Ooh, that sounds really I'm good. Like, like a like some sort of treat afterwards, like a like a little pastry or. And, and like a drink, like a Snapple or something. That's like my go-to breakfast. I think I've had that like four times this week, actually. Nice. Yeah, it's not good for my heart. But, I don't know, but... But I eat it because I like it. It sounds good. Speaking of food, if you could have dinner with any three people dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, shit. Dinner. <clears> hmm... <throat> Um, what's the name of the dude who recently died who had a TV show? Talking about Alex Trebek? Uh, no, not not Alex Trebek. The cooking that he used to travel the world and and, uh, and oh, Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain is definitely one of them. Yeah, I don't know why I forgot his name, but yeah, Anthony Bourdain. He just like, I, I think that one of the things that was fascinating about his show was, like, how it was always just about, like, hanging out with people and eating food. Mm -hmm. He just seems like a really cool dude. Like, I feel like I'd have stuff in common with him and have, like, a really good conversation. So he would be 100% one of them. Got two more. Um, And then the guitarist from Killswitch Engage, uh, Adam, Adam D., I don't know if you know that band, but they're like nope. a they're like a metalcore like metal band, early two thousand, super popular. But he's hilarious, like really funny and really inspiring to me. Awesome. And um, let me think of a third one. Hmm. Um, wow, I'm forgetting her name. This sucks. I like whenever I get put on the spot, I always forget names and <laughs> details and things. It's okay. Um, maybe I can help you out with the name if you can. Is it a actress? An actress? actress? Do you have you ever seen uh, Breathless by Godard? No. I think her name is like Jean Seberg or something like that. 
Gene Se- Seberg. Yep. Yeah. Um. Probably just because I fell in love with her when I saw that movie. Oh, nice. But also, she just seemed cool. Like, that movie's great. She if you is like very romantic, pretty. Yeah. If you like romantic, weird, like, uh, I mean, French New Wave. Come on. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why she came to mind. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Like, probably top top five nice. movie. Nice. That's a weird crew of people. It'd be like a, a like a, like a, a 60s era, like, cool movie actor chick. And then, like, she probably, like, and and then like a guitar metal head dude and then Anthony Bourdain it would actually be fucking awesome that sounds like the best like yeah the, I'm so glad with my I'm happy with those yeah that, that that'd be an interesting one to like record and just um like just listen to the conversations happening yeah I would just be stoked to be there I would I love that <laughs> that'd be awesome all right and our last question what motivates you to get up in the morning hmm Well, I have to give my cat medicine every morning, so that's something. Uh, I like breakfast food a lot, but I don't eat until around 2 p.m. most days unless I'm really hungry, and then I'll go get eggs. Um, just some like something to edit, something to make, something to something to make, making something. Usually. Getting the creative juices going. Yeah, mate, like sitting down to edit or stream or see who's streaming or whatever. At least lately, that's really been what's do- what's doing it for me. Making nice. something, doing doing something with the day. Not feeling like you're for wasting sure. it away. Yeah, that's a problem I have. That's there's no such thing, right? There's like you shouldn't, at least in, unless you're truly wasting all of your time. And and even then, there's an argument to be made that there's no such thing as wasting time as long as your life is what you want it to be. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I struggle with that where I just do, I want to do too many things. Oh yeah. Sure. Totally. hundred percent understand that. It's something I struggle with every day, especially on my days off where I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm not working or anything and maybe I don't have a podcast scheduled or something like that. I'm like, fuck, what do I do? You know? Yeah. Okay. Clean the house. Okay. The house is clean. What the fuck now? <laughs> Yep. Yeah. yeah, I feel that way. Well, dude, we've been at this for two hours, almost twenty minutes now. It's been uh, doesn't even feel like that long. Um, it's been it's been awesome, and thank you so much for coming on and taking time out of your night for coming on to just chatting with me about pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I love podcasting and and talking to people and. I appreciate you asking me to come on. It's been an interesting few weeks for me, few months, year. I got to yeah, meet man. a lot of really cool people streaming and, and just doing this thing that I wouldn't have met otherwise, yourself included. So I'm oh, always happy you. to hang out. And, and we should get some EDH games Hell before yeah. you sell your decks. <laughs> oh, no. Look, if that happens, like, oh, man. my wife. Not only would my wife kill me, but... um. If if I if it came down to that where like we came to a financial thing where we had to do it, it'd be like I'd be done mm-hmm. with magic at that point. Be like I'm done. Like there's no way I'm getting back into it. 
At that I never point. asked, but why would she kill you? Is it just because the investment's going to get better over she, time? She know it, it's it's nothing to do with money with her. She knows that I love magic and that she knows I love doing this podcast. She knows like you know magic and D and D are like a huge part of my life, right? Because with D and D, I'm like trying to work on publishing my first adventure module right now, and mm-hmm. um. So she knows like those two things are like my huge passions. Like if you look over here, like that's my game shelf, but then you see all my D and D stuff. Right oh over yeah. There. Tons of books. Yeah. Like, like the first shelf you see is like fifth edition. Then below that's like Pathfinder, Call of Cthulhu, the old D and D down there is like more Pathfinder and magic art books and all that. So that's awesome. So it's like well, she's for a completely adorable reason. It's cause she's a great wife and she cares about you yeah. having fun and passions. Well, she knows like when we hit because before we got together, I used to have like a huge video game collection like this has been gathered for the past like so long. Um, But we came to a point where it was going to be we're either out on the street or we got to make some money to pay rent. And so I had to sell my entire video game collection like just to be able to make money to pay rent that month because of I can't remember why, but it was so long ago. So and she knows like how much that sucked, but I did it for good reason and and she knows again I sold my magic shit because of you know good reason and all that stuff. So she told me like don't do it again. I told her like that's so wholesome. I love. I know. That. That me <sighs> but I told her like I'll fucking do it again if we have to. <laughs> I hope you don't have to. Oh, I hope no. you get to keep all your shit. Oh me too. Just pray nothing fucking. Uh, whatever but anyways so no but thank you again yeah we're gonna have to definitely play i've got a bunch of stuff um coming up so do you have anything you want to tease that's coming up so just to let you know by this episode will air on the 21st this month so i don't know because we're recording on may 10th right now so i don't know if you have anything planned or coming up between then that you maybe you want to talk about or yeah so i uh so I, I'm coming up on a year of being on Twitch. I started streaming um, May, I think, 13th or 15th or 18th, one of those days. I don't remember. Nice. So I'm going to do a 12-hour stream on that day, and I, I'm hoping... I mean, I'll post about it. It'll obviously be passed at that, <laughs> when the podcast airs, but I'm really excited to celebrate a year. So it'll just be a fun, long stream, just hang out and do a bunch of stuff. Maybe play some EDH. I've been altering cards on stream a bunch, which people yeah, like. Yeah, I saw that, enjoying. yeah. Yeah, that's it's cool. super fun. It's just like a nice way to change it up because for multiple reasons. One, because sometimes you want to do something different than just uh, playing arena and drafting. And two, drafting is super expensive and I'm not a pro, yeah. so I'm not making money every day while I draft. I spend mm-hmm. so much money on magic in general that it's nice to have other outlets to enjoy the game instead of just pumping money into Watsy's pocket. Um, but yeah. yeah, so I'll be doing that. And then I, uh, have been working with streamer and friend alias V who's, uh, such a fantastic content creator. Oh, I and love her. I usually she's don't, great. Yeah. She's, she's great. And I, I usually don't, uh, edit or work for other content creators. I have a full-time job and I make my own stuff. Um, but she asked me to edit her commander show which right now is the first five episodes we're doing. And the first episode will be done by the end of the month. So hopefully close to when this podcast airs. And uh, yeah, maybe a little bit after um, the first episode of 
her show will be out and i've been having a lot of fun it's it's basically me fanboying over like game nights and command zone like uh i'm i'm animating the commanders and i'm editing oh that's the whole awesome show. Yeah, I mean that's what I do for work. Like if you come yeah. to my stream, you'll, like all the channel points redemptions, I animated all of them myself. The starting soon screen, I like doing motion graphics and animations when I can. So like, uh, yeah, it's me getting to uh, try my hand at like a more pro level commander show, and that'll be really fun. So that'll be out at the end of the month. Um, she's just so such an inspiration and she's such a uh, like great person to work with so I'm oh, yeah. psyched to do that um, and then what else do I have going on um, I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting but uh, mostly just streaming every week been having a good time um, and trying to get that partnership so I'm really close in the next month. Hopefully I get to apply and, That'll and, be awesome. and have the numbers and just have people hanging out. And I, I'm always like my biggest thing with streaming is um, it's nice to make some money doing it because obviously it's a lot of work and it, I work really hard. Mm -hmm. But I I just want more people there. I'm just happy to have more people hanging out and chat and chilling and watching and making more friends doing it. So that's my biggest goal in the next few months. So if you want to come chill and watch me clown out and suck at magic or, you know, maybe paint a fun card or something, that's where you'll find me. That's awesome. It's awesome. And the links will be in the show notes below um, for anybody who wants to check it out. So, um, yeah, thanks again, man, for coming on. It's been great. Yeah, man. Thanks so much. I had a great time. Yeah, thanks. All right. Have a good night. You too, man. Thank you all for watching the show. I hope you all really enjoyed it. Um, I know it was so much fun. I felt like I could have gone at least another hour with Andy there, but I knew I had to like stop it or it's cause you know, it's getting a little bit late for me. Um, but yeah, hope you all enjoyed the episode. I know I definitely did. And hopefully, hopefully get to play some EDH with him soon. That'd be really fun. So thank you all again for watching, listening. You were all awesome and amazing and have a great night. Okay.